0: collections, new content, WWE views and latest news on the WWE network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always I'm joined by Dan White and today it's the WNR 174. It's WWE SummerSlam 2018 live kickoff and uh, I'm excited to be here. Dan, are you
1: looking forward to SummerSlam? I am looking very excited to SummerSlam. There's a few good matches on the cards and hopefully it lives up to the hype.
0: Yes, let's hope. That it does. I mean, after a spectacular night, NXT TakeOver last night, first of all, we should say thank you for everybody who listened to us last night. We had over 20,000 of you listen to us live. We appreciate it. We're hopefully we're ho- you're listening again here tonight. Uh, but first, we talked about SummerSlam being the important event and Mr. Terry Crews has got something to say about that.
2: Tell me something. When you think of success, what do you see? Fame? Fortune? The green glow of that hypothetical money tree? Shouldn't be. To measure success, you decide what's your best. A deep dig down to the depths. It's the dreams, the desire that pump through your chest. Whoa, what was that? That heartbeat that drives you. And once you find it, then you grind to bind the moments that define success for you. Because here, this is where dreams come true. And I cannot wait to see what we have in store. Big fight field. Two superstars with journeys around the globe, all leading to this point. Now you're ready to stand up front, undeterred and unafraid. Ride the spotlight that you've made, knowing that all the world's a state. Step up to the moment, step up to the bright lights. Step up and reform. Dedication, passion, sacrifice. Make all of this possible. We are about to see a classic. You'll cry, sweat, bleed, and you'll scream. You'll shout, hey, world, look at me. Welcome to my dream. <laughs> 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 So tell me once again, what is success? What defines this greatness? How bad do you want it? How far will you take this? So go ahead, take a bow. We'll give you a hand. And in return, bear witness to another epic summer slam. Ah, it just feels so damn good.
0: So, yes, it is SummerSlam, the dubbing our second SummerSlam live. But before we do anything, we've got the alternate intro. And it's my job on the live show to start us off. A new boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs and it's understood. He's there to take good care of me. Like he's one of the family. Charles in charge of our days and our nights. Charles in charge, Charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights. So I say, I want, I want Charles in charge of me.
1: Boom! I nailed that. What's, (coughs) What's to expect on tonight's show, Dan? On tonight's show, we've got new content on the network. We've got 205 Live Latest news, Raw and Smackdown wrap-up, injuries, shout-outs, games, and looking at the card in our detail. Yeah,
0: but first we're going to look at the new collections. So yeah, new WWE collections for August. Dan, kick us off.
1: Well, we've got the collection of Jericho. Um, Break down the walls with the collection of Jericho featuring Chris Jericho's greatest rivalries. With The Rock, Triple H, Eddie Guerrero, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Owens and all the other stupid idiots who made the list. Drink in the Lionheart's early days in ECW and WCW. Crack the code with the highlight reel matches in WWE and find out why he is the best in the world at what he does. Witness the WWE's first ever undisputed champion. The second coming of the saviour and the birth of Raw is Jericho.
0: Well, if anybody deserved the W Network collection, it probably is Chris Jericho just because of what his career has spanned. And like I say, this goes back all the way to ECW and the WSW stuff that we're watching now, leading in, coming over, and being Y2J. And I mean, there's just so many great moments and matches to pick out. If someone had never seen a Jericho match before, Dan, which one would you pick out to? Or what a couple of them would you say? Or you have to go and watch this one i think for me it would be the last man Standing match between triple h jericho at fully loaded 2000 i think that's when jericho truly arrived in the kind of wrf and he thought to himself right we've got a main event star there as well also the ladder match between shaw michaels and jericho is an absolute crack i think that's no mercy 2008 and that really shows a kind of different side to him as well uh what would you what would you pick
1: um, I'd say we'll have a look at his earlier matches, and you see, like you know, the the young Chris Jericho. You know, we've been going back to WCW in nineteen ninety eight, and you know, just seeing him in his rivalries against Dean Malenko, Juventud Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, even Eddie Guerrero. You know, just seeing him making a name for himself, and then you know, you could just. Just go back and watch the evolution of Jericho. Yeah,
0: I mean, and that's what it is, you know, and he does change his character There's certain things that he did when he was early on that he doesn't do now, and I think that's what makes him a great wrestler. But for the next collection, please, can we have quiet on the set, please? Because it's The Miz, the A-lister, the most must-see collection on the WWE Network, is here. Join The Miz for exclusive bonus material featuring a behind-the-scenes interview discussing his A-list career. Experience the journey from reality personality to WWE superstardom as the WrestleMania main event and eight-time economic champion additions, supporting cast members such as John Cena, Daniel Bryan, the Undertaker, Rome Reigns, and many more. The former WWE champion comes to play in some of the biggest blockbusters battles in WWE history. When a collection goes up, your mouth goes shut. Lights, camera, awesome! I am so glad that this collection is on the WWE Network. There is so much you go... And, and see if there's WrestleMania 27 when he main evented against John Cena for the W Championship. And he won, of course, cashing in against Randy Orton as well. And, and everything else in his long, industrious career.
1: Uh, we've also got new classic content for August 2018. It's arrived to the WWE Network once again, and it's an offering you don't want to miss. Relive some of your favourite matches starring your childhood heroes or experience them for the very first time. You'll have a hard time choosing your favorite with superstars like The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, and Macho Man Randy Savage, accompanied by the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Get a small taste of this nearly fifty unforgettable hours with this collection of ten classic titles, originally distributed by the Coliseum Home Video. Bask in the nostalgia from the '80s and early '90s exclusively on the.
0: And what's weird now, the WWE Network is catching up with my video collection because, like The Undertaker, he bears them all. I have got a video. Same here. The sunny one I was a bit disappointed with because she said, you know, there was a lot of pictures of her, and, uh, and then you watch it and it's about the uh, body dollars defending tag team titles and stuff like that. So it's not the best excitement. But coming in September, we've got Stephanie McMahon, brand leader, the Hardys Team Extreme, and of course, new classic content. Yeah, so other new content. We've got Table for Free, which was Women's Championship Evolution. That was on the 6th of August. There's Nia Jackson Natalia. Natalia and Beth Phoenix. And also I get emails from the WWE Network. And uh, it's basically one of Austin. Relive the attitude era, because Stone Cold. So if you want to relive the attitude era on the network. What better companion there is. Than the WNR podcast. WWE vs. WWE one. Where we
1: look back at WWE and WW 20 years ago. But other new content Dan. Uh, you've got the new series premiere. Which is Superstar Picks. And ever wonder which moments in WWE history. Captivated today's superstars. Who were their inspirations. What were their favourite matches? Well, find out in the new WWE Network Series Superstar Picks. Yeah,
0: and people, obviously, anybody, everybody's... Banks, and Chris Jericho, and a lot more. Uh, over 30 episodes of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling from 1985 to 1993 have been added. And the library of the WWE Network has grown. We talked about the 50 editions to it, or 50 hours of edition, sorry. We're going to read out at what actual tapes from the Coliseum Home Video stuff is now on the network
1: so you've got 1985 the hulkster hulk hogan
0: you've got andre the giant
1: you've got roddy piper's greatest hits is 1986 the life of times of captain lou albano ricky the dragon steamboat the british bulldogs bruno san martino living legend Matt man elizabeth 1987 you've got george the animal steel the Heart foundation
3: take the snake roberts the ken a story which sounds like kind of mid-afternoon soap drama
1: 1988, you've got Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Match of Madness. 89, you've got Hacksaw Jim Duggan, no, Ultimate uh, Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Real American, Demolition. In '92, you've got
0: the Ultimate Warrior. And no, no, Three UK fan favourites:
1: Global Warfare, Bret Hart, Greatest Matches, British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, The Undertaker, Faces of Fear, Paul Bearer, Hits from the Crypt in '94, Razor
0: Ramon. German fan favourites. <laughs> now, I googled that and I got a completely different result than I was expecting. And then ninety five, uh, the untaker, the one I actually got, that buries them alive. I thought that was the end of it and then I went off of the page.
1: Um, You've got Big Daddy Cool Diesel.
0: Shawn Michaels, I got that one as well.
1: Twenty seven, you got Sane.
0: So, there we go. Uh, yeah, home video there. And also, we had Table for Free as well. Hardy, Woods and Ryder. You watched that, Dan. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's all about going viral. You had uh, Woods talking about his up, up, down, um, like his gaming channel and that. And the WWE wanted to take it under their banner. But he said, no, I want to do it my way. So we're going to keep it small. We're going to have a high pick. It's not going to be over edited. You had Zack Ryder talking about he had an early YouTube channel talking about like his little primos because he wasn't on TV much. And of course, Matt Hardy, when his broken or woken gimmick came into it, he was mainly doing that on social media. He was getting told when the episodes were there because they'd be pre-taped so he could put out his tweets in time with that, you know, so they correspond with the episodes. It was really good. No, it's really
0: good. That's what the network can do. We've got a couple of series we like. one of them I will watch. I really want some more like breaking ground and kind of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, what network program
1: would you want there to be a little bit more of? I want more photo shoots. We haven't had one for a while. <laughs> I've been complaining at James about it, and he's not done anything. I need to have a word with my Twitter friend Vince Russo, <laughs> and see you know see if he can put in a word with Vinny Mac.
0: Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what we can do for you, Dad. We're we're hoping for that. Uh, there is a new series of Story Time that is out now, a show, and I'm tempted to get into total divas and total bellas because that's saying that I've not touched yet on the network and uh, of course we'll let the listener know uh, if we do that but one of the things we do that was new content the other thing that we watch is 205 live we're going to catch up with two episodes but let's not get too greedy let's start with the very first one so yeah our first episode 205 live episode 89 August 7th 2018
1: whatever sent Mustafa Rally to the hospital isn't keeping him out of action for two straight weeks. He's back tonight to battle another man who came up short in the battle to challenge cruiserweight champion Cedric Alexander at SummerSlam, Hideo Itami. The Japanese legend took the heart of 205 Live out of the running for a WrestleMania rematch. So, DM the GM is letting them settle ring.
0: Well, said we would like to have Ali watching his bat last Tuesday, despite picking up a win over the Brian Kendrick. He fell to the numbers game when number one contender Drew Gulak and gentleman Jack Halakha jumped him after referee raised his arm. Jake Mavic wasn't having it, but Gulak's mas- message has been sent.
1: Heading into Orlando, we're also still following the issues between Akira Tozawa and Leo Rush. A feud pitting TJP against Noam Dar. Sorry. A feud pitting TJP against Noam Da and Buddy Murphy and Tony Nice trying to end the Lucha House party.
0: Well, Jake Maverick brings us in, recapping Kalisto's win over Tony Nice from last week and revealing our opener is Kalisto and Linstarado versus Nice and Buddy Murphy. He also recaps Tommy's repeated attacks on Ali in multi man encounters, saying Mustafa has returned from a medical scare to face a in the main event.
1: Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcome us to Orlando prepping us prepping us for our pair of first time encounters tonight and informing us we'd also check in with Cedric after he was jumped by Gulak and crew last Tuesday.
0: Well Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese defeat Lucha House Party which is Kalisto and Linsterado, Linsterado. with Grand Talik via pinfall with we'll a roll up and a handful of tights.
1: Joseph reminds us about Linz's strained thumb ligament when he starts with Murphy. The Aussie overpowers him, and the heels isolate him in the corner early, but Dorado fights back. Both teams get, near tag- uh, both teams get tags, and Kalisto gets a near-form buddy after a fast pace sequence. Well, before he we can try for <laughs> anything else,
0: though, blind tagging these pulls the former champ off the apron to put Kalisto in peril. He eventually jaw-jacks Murphy, but even after a springboard roll-up, buddies between him and his corner. When he finally gets there after fighting off both his opponent. Tony pulls Lindsay off the apron. He finally kicks Nice
1: off, him into Murphy, then crack heads and Lindsay comes in hot. He cleans house and gets a close two count on a sit-out, face buster, inverted suplex. But Buddy breaks it up. (coughs) Lindsay catches them both with double lethal injection, then tags Kalisto and they connect with tandem dives. When they get back in the ring though, Murphy roughly throws Dorado out to the floor. Kalisto goes for his finisher on Nice, but Tony ducks under. Murphy trips him up from the floor, and when Kalisto goes to yell at him, we get the finish.
0: Well, the announced team shows Ali's tweet from the hospital, and that Mustafa is taping himself up in the locker room. DM the GM comes in to check on him. Drake is worried, but Ali assures him the doc told him to slow down, so he did, and everything's fine. Maverick is still worried, but ends up hearing what he needs to hear from Ali.
1: Itami is working out backstage and cuts a promo in Japanese before saying, "Mustafa Ali." You should have shown me respect.
0: Well, now Amdar gets a typically great W video package. He gets overconfident, full of himself, but the injury brought him back down to earth. And the Scottish supernova refocused on what got him to the show in the first place. He let TJP get in his head, and when he targeted his knee last time. But it won't happen again, Dan. It won't happen. TJP got lucky.
1: Well, now Amdar defeated Sean Maluta via pinfall following a supernova kick.
0: Well, we've got about a minute to work the knee, but otherwise this was a quick win for Noam. TJP was watching for the monitor, but was mostly disinterested and even was on his phone for a while.
1: After a highlight of the end of last week's show featuring Drake Maverick's run-in save for Cedric, we check with the champ. Alexander says he understands why Gulak attacked with his guys, because he knows he can't win one-on-one. He wants a shot at Jack Gallagher next week.
0: Well, Drew, that is podium with Gallagher and Brian Kendrick flanking him. If the champ is fool enough, foolish enough to want to face someone else before their title match in Brooklyn, he accepts on Jack's behalf. Gulak will be focused on the same thing the WWE Universe is. His winning the title Some to bring about a better 205 life.
1: And it is time for the main event, which is Hideo Itami versus Mustafa Ali.
0: And after a typical technical up to open, Ali speeds things up and gets an early cover after a crossbody. He looks a little winded, however, and begins showing signs of fatigue, lightheadedness, holding his back from the hospital visit. And we've seen it throughout the match, and I mean, that's not going to help now. Itami kicking Ali off the apron, right into the ring post, and now he's down. But I've been really impressed with Mustafa Ali, and I'm surprised today, Itami's still around as well, after having his chance last time. You'd think maybe... He wouldn't be involved as much or go back on the line. But he's still quite a, a prominent member of the 205 Live roster. I still think Ali, though, has got a lot of potential. What are your thoughts on Mustafa Ali? Who do you prefer to?
1: I prefer Mustafa Ali. He's like the ricochet of 205 Live. You know, there's not a lot that that guy can't do.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You know, he's great in ring. And uh, the thing about Ali, he can do stuff that not many people can. But I think the same with Atami. You know, not in the kind of high-flying way the way the strikes and what he can do technically in the ring. For me, and I've had a problem you told me to calm down now, I still think he's very bland. The trunks are very, you know, samey. There's not really any personality. Yeah, he cut a Japanese promo earlier, but we have not really seen anything else from him, you know? And, and the way he wrestles, he's very reminiscent of a kind of heel in WWE, of being overconfident. You know, like the way Baron Corbin wrestles, even though he's a cruiserweight, of being in control, disrespecting the opponent like he's doing now with Ali and then gets caught out in the end, you know, it just it I think makes him look weaker than it does look stronger in a way because it makes him look stupid and you shouldn't really do that, you should be quite clever.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's, um, he was better when he was in NXT. I think, uh, you know, nothing against uh, the Try Five Live guys but I think, you know, NXT suited Hideo Itami's style a bit better, you know, it's, him using the GTS, I think, you know, that was kind of things, oh, you know, he may be a, a, a punk in the making, or, you know, he may, obviously being the originator of the GTS, you know, maybe he was he was someone that punk kind of emulated and looked up to, but it's, like, you know, no. Well, it's weird, yeah,
0: because he had to kind of, uh, what Naka- we always talk about Nakamura, because like, when um, he came in told me that was, he, that the push was for him, basically, that was going to be him to, to go on to to great things, with Nakamura obviously got more of a personality, and Atami, I'm just not so sure, I don't see him winning Cruiserweight gold, and if I can't see him winning the Cruiserweight title, then I don't know if I can see him winning anything else in WWE either, you know, I think it's going to be difficult, whereas Ali, I think there's always potential for someone like him, because he's the kind of babyface in peril, and he plays it off well, I think his, his selling's good, you know, he's become popular, and the other thing I like, his name's Mustafa Ali, and he's a babyface how many times do we get this with the kind of guys like this where he's from Chicago and he's getting treated? This is going to help relationships uh, and people understand, you know, about Muslims or anything else like that through the wrestling because then it will just become commonplace, you know. I I think that's uh, really important as a time he's
1: just striking away Ali. But when Mustafa Ali comes out of pay-per-views and main events, you know, he's got that great gimmick with the lasers and, you know, it's – I think it's things that you can add to your character that help make it a bit better.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. No, we've seen him like a cool Power Ranger. Catches a the timey there, but only gets a two. Two. Now back to his feet with the chops. Now he's desperately fighting with the injury. Rolls out of the way of a timey there on the and Big step-up in security, Sends a Tommy back. Dives through the
1: second rope, but <laughs> goes straight into a kick to the face. From Itami and it just (laughs) folds him up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the old expression, fold him up like an accordion. He really did uh, there. Itami's shocked I only got two. Two. And I think so am I a little bit. Now, Itami picking Ali up, maybe going for the GTS. Ali blocking out of it, pushing him away. Now running the ropes. Well, that was a lovely drop hit by Ali there. Trying to get some momentum into this. Time for Medeo. And now Ali, talk about building momentum in the match. But Atami, reverse the Jarish whip. Slide by Ali, rolls out again. Another kick to the face. And Atami, not knowing what's good for him, comes riding back in. Now Ali, again, rolls back in. Oh, X-Factor. This could be it.
1: Two. Oh, no.
0: Ali, somehow, Atami down. He gets his shoulder up at two. Two. Now, a little bit maybe frustration for Ali, but he still hasn't hit his big move yet. Like I said, the reverse 450. Oh, and now Mustafa Ali trying to suplex Itami. Itami rolls behind. German suplex Ali with a back elbow. Responds with a big boot by Itami. Tries a clothesline. Ali ducks that. Super kick from behind. Itami responds, though, spinning back fist. And now both men down. Great action in main event of Five Live right now. Well, I think whoever does first will have the advantage of Itami... Goes behind, tries to roll up Ali, goes into the turnbuckle. Looks like he hit an elbow, then the big boot comes running up. Looks like he tried that tilt well DDT, but gets caught in a falcon arrow. Well, somehow Ali managed to kick out. Uh-huh. And now you can definitely see the frustration on Ali's fa- uh, on Atami's face. Now we're putting Ali up in that top turnbuckle. And gets slapped across the face as well, and Atami going up. And Atami screams, saying it's his time. Maybe going to go for a superplex.
1: No, Ali plants him face first into the mat. Tommy rolls over, but he catches him. Oh, my God. Sit-out powerbomb, and that was very hot on the back of the oh, net. so
0: <laughs> vertical down. Ali can't believe Tommy got shoulder up at two. Two. But that's what Ali could do. looked like he was in trouble and turns into an offensive move.
1: Both men struggling to get up to their feet.
0: And now Ali maybe with a slight advantage, but Tommy, maybe playing... Him maybe he's playing possum
1: hello possums. he pulls him face first into the turnbuckle
0: well, it looked like he had that dragon sleeve maybe the kick but ali pushes Atami away
1: He kicks ali in the back of the head
0: i think Atami has a lip busted as well
1: goes back to it turns it tries to get the kick ali spins out pushes him into the corner oh but itami turns him upside down into the turnbuckle and yeah, Atami may have some internal bleeding.
0: Well, it goes for the cover. Ali may well be out here. No.
1: The heart's still beating in Ali, so he's not going to stay down.
0: Well, I think Atami's shot tries to go again, but Ali still got fight left in him. Ali now can't get to his feet, and Atami, I wonder what he's got planned. bringing him towards the ring post.
1: Draping his head next to the steel stairs.
0: And Atami going for a run up. This might end Ali's career.
1: Oh, oh Ali moving out of the way, Itami hitting nothing but still steps.
0: <laughs> Look at his face, like he's just trying to kill me. Oh my god!
1: Plants Itami with a tornado DDT after he springboards off the second.
0: Oh Ali is definitely a risk taker, but Itami may be out. But unfortunately for Ali he's right on the outside. And now Ali's gonna seize my He's looking for his inverted four fifty. And he's up for the reverse 450. Here he goes. Oh, wait a minute. Look very dizzy there. Let's not forget he's been in hospital. That come back to haunt him there. Got crotched on the top. Back in a trio.
1: Uh-oh. Realises it. Oh. Comes running in with a low drop kick. Well, I think he's finished.
2: Oh,
1: It's a second one. He's Running back for the third. Well, a hat trick
0: of drop kicks. Rolls Ali in. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Wow! Tommy gets the victory. There looked a bit aggressive. I mean, that's a good side of a Tommy. But what are your thoughts on that match?
1: I thought it was a good match. You know, I'm not sure that you know the part that Ali's injury played into it. You know, he was doing really well. Then he went up the top, got all light-headed. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it seems a bit cockamamie to me. But you know, if it helps advance the storyline. And it's kind of, you know, given Itami a bit of a push as well. Yeah,
0: I mean it's nice to see him getting a victory after coming out unsuccessful against Cedric Alexander and I guess all the punishment Ali took led up to that moment in the match. But uh, I think he'll be back if he can recover strong as ever, but he gets a victory. I mean that kick at folded Ali up, that was brilliant. we just need a replay of that now. Cut a of really good match good moments. Another strong main event for 205 Live, and this is what they're delivering, you know, and uh, not a bad episode. So that's not bad. We'll take a break from 205 for a second and a few shout-outs. should say I apologise to anybody that worried about Vince McDan on Twitter uh, when we said before live show that uh, would he show up in time. Would you just like to tell everybody where you were, just in case, you know. Well, Mark Tardis got really, really upset. He thought maybe he'd maybe been kidnapped. Or uh, or something had happened to you. What happened?
1: I went to the toilet. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a number two, by the way, for anyone thinking the, the the bad side of it. No, it was just a number one. Just uh, time when we was coming on live, so yeah. I had but to a, hurry up.
0: About thirty seconds or so, you know. Uh, so don't worry about that. We are, of course, on Twitter hashtag Dubin Live, and uh, we we've, we've been obviously tweeting throughout this weekend. And uh, we'd just like to shout out people on Twitter, Sheldon Chanzu, Patrick Mason, and, of course, Mark is one of our favourites, uh, that, you know, have, have been there. And other shout-outs as well that people have uh,
1: emailed in, the at com. Dan? Yes, we've got Sabies Hopper. 205 Live has been the best thing for the past couple of months. Why is a Cruiserweight match still on the kickoff?
0: Do you want to take this or do you want to take it? Go no, uh, carry on. No, no, I was just going to say, I think the reason why... Is that not enough people watch Two O Five Live? It's no longer used on Raw, so there's even less means for it. I've, I'm surprised because it was on the kickoff, even because the last few title matches have only been on the actual episodes of Two O Five Live. So I, I think does it deserve to be? I think the level of action we've seen for Two O Five Live, I think it does. But if it happens to nothing,
1: what's your thoughts? I think it, it does deserve a place on it on the main card, or do they have enough depth? In 205 Live to have their own pay per view, something along the lines of an NXT takeover style length, you know, one with only five matches, but they get given a good amount of time? Uh, I, I think there's a chance. I think they tried to broach it early on in the
0: year when they had the Five Live tour, just that was a They did a few shows, and well, if we've not heard anything, that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's done and dusted, but you don't know. But you hope the cruise rates get a little bit more airtime and are involved actually on Raw. Or Smackdown as well, you know, so it is a shame. Um, as for being the best thing, I mean, NXT for me still, I don't want to argue, but NXT is still pretty strong compared to 205 Live, but y- you know what I mean? I mean, 205 Live has been doing quite well. Anyway, Grant Blanchard said, why is there such a big deal about pay-per-view? They should only be treated with respect anyway. So Grant, all right, so that's come on woman.
1: Uh, Dan, how you, your relationship, what we're over to you, mate. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I, I might be part of the controversial characters part three, but no, I, I think it's it's a good idea. We've had, you know, there's normally just one or two women's matches on a lot of pay-per-views anyway. So having one with only the women's focus, I think, yeah, it's a good idea. It's certainly not going to take anything away from the product and hopefully it should highlight the standout characters from the women's revolution. Yeah,
0: and, and I hope now there's not a chance to go back to the old ways of how the women were treated. You know, you look at actually there were and, you know, how enjoyable they were. But the women's bra and panties matches and like gravy bowl matches with no respect to them whatsoever, was there? So at least now you've got it and you've got two or three matches on pay-pew. So I think there is a respect there uh, always. I mean, for us on the WNR podcast, I can say that we've been big proponents of the women's division. Uh, back in 2015 when it when we first start, started doing it. We were looking at NXT uh, and Sasha Banks and Bayley and, you know, Charlotte and everybody there. So uh, we can't be accused of it. I think it's a good thing because it, it highlights it more. You know, if, if there's a chance for it to have more, I think that's fair enough. Or in, maybe in the future you could have pay-per-views where there are six women's matches and two men's matches, you know, and do it like that, you know, or, or say so. this. So I think there's... Uh, Room for improvement at both sides. I don't know what I'm saying. About. Dan help.
1: <laughs> yes. No, I completely agree with what you say. It's There's there's a lot less women on the WWE roster. So, you know, you can't expect more matches from them. You know, and tonight you've got, what, 13 matches? You've got three or two women's matches?
0: Yeah, t- two women's two, matches. W- well, the both the
1: women's titles are being defended. One of them threat match. There is there is certainly a lot of room for personal women's views as well going on there. There's a lot of them. Sasha Banks versus Bailey would certainly be a headliner. Yeah, it, it certainly would.
0: And the good thing is Rousey's kind of been a co-main event now in the post alongside Brock Lesnar. Plus we've got Zelina Vega and c n against uh, Lana and Rusev. So look, they're
1: involved there. So like I said, there there are storylines and room for improvement there. Uh, Billong Prince. Apollo Crews is one of the most underrated superstars in the WWE. Why do they sign them only to not use them? Well, I read
0: actually an interesting thing the other day about this is, is the fact it's like WWE are stockpiling wrestlers. Uh, and it's good to have all the talent in the world, but it stops other companies from using them. And that might sound uh, like bad or harsh thing to do, but WWE were doing this back in the 1980s when they were taking all the best talent. They didn't need it just did, and I think this is the, the thing now with NXT, you see how uh, packed it is with talent, and even in the main roster, someone like Apollo Cruz kind of completely forgotten about, and there is talent like that, you know, like the bar, where have they been on TV the, the past few months and stuff like this? That is, is our age definitely deserves a push, uh, I think with Apollo Cruz, there's a lot of potential, there's a lot of stuff to work on, I think the original mistake was bringing him up from NXT a bit too soon before he could accomplish anything. Do you think Titus Wells' slide is going to help him out? What, what, what are your thoughts on Apollo Crews?
1: Titus Wells' slide hasn't really helped him out too much. I know they was on Raw. I think teaming with Bobby Roode going against the Authors of Pain and one of James's favourites, Mojo <laughs> Rawley.
0: You, you had to bring it up, didn't you? I'm sorry.
1: But it was just part of the point. He's, he's getting air time. I think that is a good thing compared to a lot of... Wrestlers, you know, with Ty Dillinger, he was sort of getting a massive push, and then it's kind of died down. And during the last man standing match on uh, Takeover, there wasn't many ten, ten, ten chance, was there? So yeah, that's true. They're yeah. kind of putting that to the back burner. Um, yeah, but I think mainly WWE is signing them just so no one else can have them. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that is the
0: the actual reasoning for it. Uh, Ludie Williams says, Brock Lesnar has been a success for WWE. Don't know why everyone keeps bitching about him. So, Dan, why are you bitching about Brock Lesnar?
1: Well, are you sure your name is not Paul Heyman? <laughs> because I read or heard something about Paul Heyman saying that Brock Lesnar's title run has been more successful than CM Punk's. Because the stock price when CM Punk was champion was... 18 19 20 dollars a share and since Brock Lesnar's been champion it's gone up to 80 dollars I know there's a lot more brand recognition for Brock Lesnar but it's I think it's the fact that Punk defended his title five or six times more than Brock Lesnar did during his reign or has done during his reign
0: yeah I, I think that's the case you know you talk about Brock lesnar being been a success has he really brought any more uh, eyes to the product, any more money in as merchandise or, you know, sold more tickets? I think that's an argument you can say that. But I don't think any kind of anymore. Yes, they've got a figurehead like Cena or Reigns, but there's not a guy that kind of shifts the needle, you know? Well, CM Punk put it great.
1: Whether he's there or not, people are still going to watch the product.
0: Yeah. And this is the thing, isn't it? We're still going to talk about it no matter who is in there. It. it doesn't matter. For us, we're looking towards SummerSlam. We're not actually looking towards seeing that certain someone, And that was different 20 years ago, where it was Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of leading the charge, you know? And I think that's what someone like Brock Lesley uh, It doesn't matter what we think. The WWE now can do what they want. They've got the number of subscribers to the network. You know, things are going well, like you say, with a stock price. So... You know, this This is the situation that we're in we uh, Brock Lesnar. I, I feel Brock Lesnar has not been a success because he's not tried. And I think we watched uh, earlier SummerSlam yesterday, Punk versus Lesnar. One of the best matches he's had uh, since coming back because he actually sold for Punk and it was a proper match. He then realised he didn't need to do that. And the past couple of years, they've been awful. You know, even the Age of Styles match at people go, "Oh, no, that was a good match." No, it wasn't. Look at it. You know, it was. It wasn't nice. And I think it's good for him to go away. Uh, but I, I, I feel WWE shouldn't rely on him so much. You know, and be like, "Oh yeah," because he's a kind of legit guy. WWE fans don't want that. We don't care if he can beat up, you know, Mark Hunt in the UFC. We want to see a guy that is there defending and we can be proud of his champion. And I don't think wrestling fans, and I'll speak for all of us, I don't think we're proud of Brock Lesnar as a champion, you know? I
1: didn't well, know I was going to go rant that long, sorry. Well, <laughs> and this is one of, I, I remember you being a huge fan of Brock Lesnar, absolutely admiring what he does and the way he does it. You've got all his fights <laughs> saved, you know, it's, it's something, oh, I don't know, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. I but, just had to get it out. <laughs> yes, thanks for that. Well, you take the next one. Well, Saranap Major Maker, whatever it is. Sorry, if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But they say sad to hear the passing of Jim the Anvil. I remember watching the Heart Foundation versus the Brainbusters on Saturday Night Main Event, and tag team wrestling hasn't been that good since. Well, we went back and watched them against Demolition, and it was it was a very entertaining match. It, they tell. Really good stories during the matches. And as far as tag team wrestling not being that good since, I I kind of disagree. I think they are still telling a very good story with tag team wrestling. You've had so many great tag teams. You know, if you go back and listen to our greatest tag teams ever, we had three at the top because we just couldn't pick between them. Dudley's, Hardy's, Edge and Christian. You go back and watch any of their ladder matches, any of their TLC matches, and, you know, you'll just be sat on the edge of your seat amazed at what these six guys could do. Yeah,
0: no, I completely agree with you there. But also, the, the, the beauty of the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs before the, that era was that you could do stuff uh, with not taking as many risks, even though they were risk-takers. You know, like I say, the, what the Hardys, Edge and Christian, Dudley did was... Perhaps too far, and even say that. Whereas Heart Foundation, the, the very uh, kind of what they did and what they stood for and what they were, are kind of what I want a tag team to be anyway. Because you've got the kind of the smaller guy, you've got the big guy in Jimmy Anvil, Heart, always going to get the hot tag, wasn't he? You know what I mean? He was the power in it, and Brett was a technical guy. Matching outfits, even though they were pink, I still think were really, really cool. And of course, you know, the Heart Foundation, the theme tune, and uh, you know. It kind the fuse they had I think the 80s was a kind of great time for tag teams much like it was with and Christian and stuff like that and uh, I, I hope we do see tag team wrestling like that again I mean there is hope but as for proper tag teams the Hart Foundation were a proper tag team and like I said Jimmy Anvil and I, I will be missed incidentally we will be talking about Jim a little bit later on the show and uh, having reading out a couple of tributes for him as well uh, so thank you everybody for your shout out uh, a few more in a little while uh, at the moment the WWE Network's kickoff don't start for 20 minutes you know we've got we've got ages on them we'll bring you updates from that There should be a couple of kickoff matches as well we've got predictions and we'll probably talk about that in a bit but uh should we have the second episode of 205 live Dan yeah let's go for it so it's our second episode of 205 live episode 90 14th of August and of course 2018
1: they start the show of promotion for tonight and then a remodeled championship will be defended at SummerSlam. It's on the kickoff show, of course, but it's happening. Drew Gulak challenges Cedric Alexander. Is it finally Gulak's time?
0: I guess we'll find out when we do the predictions for it. But Leo rushes out for a promo, calls the fans lucky, and says they're still stuck living in a garbage city in an embarrassing state, but they've got the honour and privilege of watching him do what he does best. And better than anybody else on this planet. He calls Azar oh, one of the best cruiserweights in the world, but his problem tonight is he's facing the very best cruiserweight, Mister Leo Five Live. He should have kept my name out of his mouth because now he's gonna feel the rush. Now I tell you, something, not a bad promo, but you're not a fan of Leo Rush, are you? I'm not no. What What are your reasonings behind it?
1: Um, I, I'm just I, I don't know. I just think he's an idiot.
0: Yeah, what we say, you always know, say like you can't can't just because he's what, what is it? What's idiotic about him?
1: Um, I, d- I don't know. I'm just not a fan of him. I just don't like him or who he is or what he stands for.
0: <laughs> well, he's a great in-ring athlete. We've seen that on 205 Live. Well, that's your opinion. Since he debuted. He's he's quick. He's good in the ring. Look at him running around now. He's quicker than Tazawa. Uh-oh.
1: Not that quick because he got caught by Tazawa.
0: Or oh, Hurricane run led by Tazawa and Leo Rush into the bottom rope. I like him. You know, I mean... You can see he's got a cocky attitude, and I kind of like that. He's come in, he said he's the greatest cruiserweight, and he's just thrown at tazawa Oh,
1: well, I went to kick Tazawa, but Tazawa caught his leg, and he, in his bracelet, went up in the air. And now Tazawa looks set to go flying. Oh, but Rush walks away like a cowardly coward that he is.
0: Well, it's this it's clever thinking by Leo Rush. He knows Tazawa likes to hit that move, and he says enough's enough. Oh. But Tozawa clubbing blow from behind, bringing Leo Rush back.
1: Well, if he's the greatest. Why is he walking away from a fight?
0: Maybe just taking his time. Maybe he knows was going to do that. Lovely handspring there, taking Tazawa off the apron. You got to remember, he's still a young man. He's still learning as well. Now we're going to see him go flying over the top. Maybe nice
1: baseball slide, but <laughs> Tazawa steps out the way. He lands on his feet, gives him the old rope a dope, and. Uh, clocks him with a big right hand yep. Tazar was going up top
0: and Tezawa is entertaining to watch as he's now off the top lovely drop kick <laughs> Rush gets sent up back down but gets his shoulder off at two two and now Tezawa getting frustrated of course he wants another chance and that cruiserweight title held by Central Alexander beating Leo Rush here will prove a point these two men have uh, been on the wrong side of each other since Rush debuted
1: well, he had Leo set up for the uh, for the top rope senton, on, but Rush grabs his leg as he was about to climb up top.
0: And Tazawa now just stomping Leo Rush. Well, that was nice by Leo, sending Tazawa into the ring post, shoulder first. Nice back suplex goes into the cover, but is up at one. One. And now Rush has got Tazawa down. Maybe submission is clubbing blows as well. And now on his back, and Tazawa, I don't know... Because Leo Rush is very slender. You know, he is quite a small guy, even for the cruiserweight. So, you got to think how much it is for Cezara to sit hurt and how much it is just an annoyance. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's got Leo Rush on his back at the moment, but Cezara trying to get back into it. And just as Cesar fights out, Rush catches him with a forearm. Now Irish Rip reversed by Cezara. Drops his head low. Rush runs past it.
1: Sunset flip over. Oh, kicks him straight in the chest.
0: Standing cent on. Oh no. Leo Rush got his knees up for that one. And Tazara hit one move and Rush had a scout of the other one.
1: Well, you know you're saying he's small for a cruiserweight. Hundred and sixty pounds.
0: Yeah, hundred and sixty pounds. I mean how tall is he?
1: He's
0: five foot six. So five foot six. So even, even Ricochet, you know, is a as much bigger guy than Leo Rush and he's gonna find out. It's very surprising he's gonna be a hill as well. But at this moment in time <laughs> He's putting Tazawa down with shoulder blocks. I right, said so the confidence of him as well. Snap their tape down and now into the submission. Tazawa getting out of it with Rush with the strikes. Irish whip Tazawa into the corner. Tazawa with a boot up. Comes running in but Rush again dodged it. Went for the bicycle kick. Tazawa caught it. Send Leo Rush. Doing a moonsault. Land on his feet though.
1: Kicks him in the face. Leo Rush gets tied up in the ropes.
0: Well, that was impressive there by Rush until he got
1: hurt. Now Tozawa goes flying with that suicide dive. Takes him out. Tozawa screams. I think he feels the end is coming. Throws Rush back in.
0: And Tozawa now running into the ring. <laughs> Charging in. Head scissors now. it Looks like an octopus stretch. Tr- uh, octopus stretch. Rush in all sorts of trouble now he's fading faster than Dezawa. looks like he's going to teach him a lesson. He's got the arm. we talk about Dezawa's size. I mean, he's a bigger man. Rush has to carry the body. But he's got the strength flow to get out of it. Turn it into a pin. Dezawa gets his shoulder up. Rush again with a cover. Nips up this time. Goes for the nice kick. Zawa's a bit rocked, but shoulder up at two.
1: Two. But, you know, it's, it's, his, uh, it's his comment you know, on Emma when she got released, you know, he says, I guess these are the things that happen when you're not truly ready for Oscar. Mm. And if it was
0: tweeted by someone who'd been on the main roster for a long time, people would have laughed at it. But Russia just joined LXT, We covered the story at a time yeah. and, and it probably wasn't the, the smartest move. But at that time, Oscar was, you know, undefeated. Well, you know, you,
1: even even Bray Wyatt chimed in saying, you ain't going to make it here with the
0: bulls Yeah. Well, that's what we, we covered it at the time. Yeah. Sometimes people make mistakes and, uh, because he's young, you forget, look how many mistakes Randy Orton's made. Well, even your, g- even your guy, Buddy Murphy, said, oh, Leo. Yeah. But look how many mistakes Randy Orton made. and uh, Look how many chances he got to rectify that. So, Rush has made one mistake in his young career. And he's hoping to make a fresh start of it. So, you've got to give him a chance. He's here on tour from the best cruiserweights in the entire division of Kira Tazawa. Tozawa now has got Rush. They're on the top rope. He's trying to suplex him. And Rush showing his strength hanging on at the moment. Takes out the legs of Tazawa. Tazawa landed hard, and now this might give Rush a chance. Hits it. The frog splash, beautiful. Tazawa, one, two, three. three,
1: gets the job done. Impressive by Leah Rush. Dan, what are your thoughts on the match? It, it wasn't terrible, you know. There's nothing super about the match, though. You know, it was just a standard match between two guys.
0: Yeah, very generic, but
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: two-step match. But the thing I like about it, though, is the fact that (coughs) Rush is coming into it, and Tazawa's there. Obviously, he's kind of like a veteran now on 205 Live, if you think about it, been around for quite a while, and helping Rush kind of be accepted in 205 Live, a couple of victories over him, actually still mean a little saint there. I'm sure the rivalry will continue, but I think it's all good for Rush as we continue.
1: Well, they show a replay of Mustafa Ali being 10-2 after his match last week. Then they cut backstage to Drake Maverick. He was asked for an update, and DM, the GM, said, Ali has been suffering from se- severe exhaustion. He took some blame for it before saying, Ali won't compete in a 205 live ring until he's satisfied that Ali is 100% again.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. We saw the trainers, EMTs, the referees down at the end of last week's main event when they were checking on him, and, and it didn't look good, did it, to be fair? But Hideya Tami defeated Trent Newman via TKO. Where Mike Yoda stops the match.
1: Well, at the time he could have beaten Newman a few times but pulled him up before the free count. The referee stops in and calls for the bell before he can hit a third missile drop kick on his non responsive opponent. After the bell, he heads back to hit, hit his GTS replacement move. Well,
0: Cedric Alexander hype video putting over Drew Gulak as a threat, but bound to hit the lumbar check at
1: SummerSlam so the age of Alexander can continue. Drake Maverick greets. Tony Nice and Buddy Murphy congratulating them on their win last week. DM, the GM, also points out that Murphy wasn't the legal man when he got involved to allow Nice to pin Kalisto. So next week, Drake is giving Lucha House Party a rematch in their style, a tornado tag. Murphy says, you're the boss, and the Hill duo exits.
0: We learned TJP versus Noam Dar will also f- that will be next week. That would be something to look forward
1: to. We've got Cedric Alexander... Versus, gentlemen, Jack Gallagher.
0: Yeah, and it's our main event. Gallagher is out alone as the Brian Kendrick and Drew Gulak watch for a monitor in the back. Jack evades and tools, but when they engage, Cedric uses his quickness to get the best of a technical exchange. After a bit more showboating, Gallagher heads to the outside, slides under the ring before Alexander can dive. He comes up behind the
1: champ on the other side and
0: blindsides him.
1: Cedric recovers quickly and regains the advantage, but the action returns to the floor and Gallagher backs Alexander most hard. Back in the ring, the gentleman sets to punishing the champ as he announces point out he's targeting Sedznek to soften it up for the Gulak on Sunday.
0: Well, several one counts off a net breaker, but the champ won't stay down. Gallagher drags him to the centre of the ring and slaps on a straight jacket hold and then a, a full Nelson. Sedgwick tries several ways to escape, but Jack never releases the hold. And we can see him now. He's got the submission in, and it's cravat and he's just uh, taken all the breath. All the air out of Cedric Alexander. Cedric finally gets out of it. And now he's going to try to suplex him. And well, that was nice. That's two. And now maybe we're going to see the three amigos.
1: He's spinning round. Oh, no. Jack Gallagher with a backslide for the third.
0: Gallagher catches the leg low and delivers a brilliant back elbow. And now spring, uh, hand spring, Step up in Seguri. To kick... S- oh, no.
1: K- Gallagher managing to kick out.
0: Uh, I was about to say, he kicks him so hard on the head as well. You can see the bruising. They really have. You know, you, you, talk, you talk about that. And now it looks like Cedric going to go for lumbar check, but Jack's stopping it. He knows how dangerous this move is. He gets pushed off
1: into the rope. And Gallagher deposits him to the outside, but Alexander lands on the apron, kicks Jack off. Bring board takedown. One, two. Oh. Only getting a two count.
0: Two. Well, Cedric's fought Brian Kendrick, Lee Brian Kendrick, a couple of weeks ago. He fought gentleman Jack Gallagher, and now he's got to fight Drew Gulak at SummerSlam. It's been a, a tough road to SummerSlam for Cedric, and if he can come out of it, the other side, let's talk about the age of Alexander, he'd probably be one of the greatest cruiseweight champions we've had, especially as he's been the kind of only one since the rebrand. But if Jack gets a victory here, you've got to think that he's going to be next in line down the road as well. So. It's going to be interesting times in the cruiserweight division. Irish whipped to Jack, but he's holding on to the ropes. He's a bit of his ring experience there with a back elbow, and then sending Alexander on that second rope.
1: Well, it's like a bulldog, and Jack jumps over the second rope to the outside and just hangs up Alexander on the second rope and then comes off the top with a knee to the back of Alexander's head, goes for a cover to... Oh! Oh. Alexander managing to kick out.
0: Oh,
1: He's looking for the cross face.
0: Yes. Gentleman Jack's trying to get the cross face in. He's got the arm locked, but he hasn't got the grip around, and now he has.
1: And he's wrenching back on his uh, on Alexander's face.
0: And Cedric is close to the ropes, but we know how dangerous the gentleman can be with submissions.
1: Are we know how dangerous this submission can be. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Cedric rolls up. Jack has to let go before he gets pinned.
1: Got to go with some straight right hands to the head of Alexander. But he responds with a chop, uh, a chop.
0: He's taking a bit of time as well. And Cedric, I think, has got the more explosive strikes at this moment in time. He's got a kick. lumbar check.
1: Now, Gallagher turns it round into a dragon.
0: And he's got it in the middle of the ring. Cedric is stuck. And Cedric, one last escape attempt.
1: Well, turns it into a falcon arrow. Incredible resiliency here from Cedric Alexander. Managing to turn a dragon sleeper into a falcon arrow.
0: I can't falcon believe it. What a match again on 205 low Live, These two guys really bringing it. Cedric trying to get the crowd behind him.
1: Well, it was a falcon arrow. <laughs> arrow.
0: Jack's up on the apron.
1: Alexander looking to bring him in the hard way, but Gallagher steps through the ropes, deposits Alexander out there, and walks into a boot from Cedric. Now Alexander off the top. Jack rolls out the way. Oh. oh, and then follows him into the corner with a running drop kick. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh, but Alexander getting his left foot on the bottom rope there to break the count.
0: Well, that's how much punishment he's taken. He had to do that because he didn't have the strength to get the shoulder up. And now Jack rolling him into the middle of the ring. Picks him up with a gut wrench. <laughs> what power by Jack. Oh, my God. That didn't look pretty but it's so effective. It
1: effective. Goes for a cover, but only gets a two count. Two.
0: Well, Jack shaking his head in disbelief in the corner, runs in. Oh,
1: Spanish fly to Gallagher. Two, three. Oh, Spanish fly out of
0: nowhere.
1: I'll give him that.
0: Oh my word. And he brings him with that not the lumbar check. He escapes, but I think the injury to the neck, he's still going to be there at SummerSlam. Not a long way away now. Jack gave it his all. What do you think of the match?
1: Now, me yawning is not a sign that this match was boring. <laughs> yeah. now, good match, you know, highly energetic. I do love watching Jack Gallagher in the ring. Cedric Alexander, I think he's a great talent and well-deserved holding the Cruiserweight Championship. And we'll find out Sunday
0: where Kendrick and Gallagher, falling short, will Gulak be successful? That will be on the kick-off of uh, SummerSlam, where we are now live. So I suppose this will be along the show somewhere. But uh, it's a couple of great highlights here in this match. What have you thought of the last couple of episodes of 205 Live?
1: They've been entertaining, again, progressing towards, uh, you know, what's going on with Cedric Alexander and, uh, you know, his troubles with Gulak and co. You've got, you know, um, the Mustafa Ali story as well. You know, he's been suffering from exhaustion. You've got a few little backstories as well going on in there. You've got your personal problems, Hideo Itami. And, uh, you know, whoever you know, Hideo's got problem with this one. There's <laughs> a lot of people at the moment. Yeah, Leo Rush
0: and uh, Akira Tazar. I don't care about him. TJP, Noam Dar, Buddy Murphy, and, of course, Tony niece as well. So the guys that I quite like. But wait a minute. Kendrick's up in the apron. Gets knocked down by Cedric. Jack Hallecker back in. And he's getting cut off by forearms. Clothesline over the top.
1: Kendrick in, though. Well, Look at like the
0: captain's hook.
1: Lumbar oh. checked to TBK. Where's Gulak?
0: Well, Kendrick got sent flying. Lombard checking his Gulak from behind. Got the Gulak locked in. Oh my God! Well, if he gets the Gulak locked in on Sunday, <clears throat> if he gets the Gulak locked in tonight, it will be over. And he is sending the message there. I got to say, he looks very impressive as we head into the uh, cruiserweight title showdown. And that's what I was just about to say. Many short wearers in WWE, but it's good Gulak. Has made that choice.
1: And will this be, be what we're seeing later on as well? Gulak holding the Cruiserweight Championship aloft.
0: Well, he's put it around Alexander's waist. He said, you hold it until Sunday. And that is it for 205 Live. Statement sent by Gulak. And now back to us live. So, yeah, we are live. And now, Dan, it's time for your Raw Review... And Smackdown Summary. Yeah, so let's get started and uh, a couple of talking points for Raw this week, down, weren't there? There was indeed, yes. We'll start off with the Lesnar Pepper Spray. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I thought this was quite a good segment. We had different opinions on this. You didn't like it, did you? I wasn't the biggest fan of no. that. No. Well, let, let's explain. So in the past couple of weeks, Paul Heyman has been coming out between a different side of him, kind of like uh, uh I would say beaten wife, really not the best analogy, but, you know, like, bit, bit upset that Les, you know, he's got the truth power, he doesn't care about Heyman, Heyman was crying in a promo, which is brilliant, and uh, he came out on Raw and offered Roman Reigns a chance to have a look at the kind of game plan and be the next kind of Paul Heyman guy, and as he handed the paper and we thought Reigns was maybe going to join forces with him, Paul Heyman pulled out pepper spray, And uh, sprayed it in his eyes. Now, I first assumed it was just like water or something like that, but you told me different.
1: No, apparently to get a bit of realness to the segment, they actually used real pepper spray, which I think that's quite absurd. Yeah,
0: crazy bastard, you know, and that's why it looked as real as it did. Brock Lesnar's music hit. He came down, uh, beat the crap out of Reigns, uh, put him in, a I think, a guillotine choke. And then went to leave, came back, hit him with another F5. And it showed Heyman was... Uh, I love that word. With Brock Lesnar and it was, a, it was a play all along. Why they did it a week before SummerSlam or not at SummerSlam, I don't know. But maybe it's to make you feel so phrased. But why didn't you like it, Phil? I
1: don't know. I just think it's... it. It's just seemed really false as well. You know, knowing what Paul Heyman's like and... You know, it was I I just didn't enjoy the whole the segment as a whole. They could have done it a few different ways, so I haven't got many ideas of that, but you know, it could have been done a bit better.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. But it was an a uh,
1: segment you were happy with this week of Rawdown? I was very happy with it and it was right at the end of Raw and it was uh it's about the Seth Rollins um Dolph Ziggler, Intercontinental Championship match. And of course, Dolph Ziggler's got your man, Drew McIntyre, in his corner. And they've been causing a lot of problems for Seth Rollins, who for a majority of it has been on his own. And Seth put a stipulation into the contract stating that if McIntyre's in Ziggler's corner, Seth's going to have someone in his corner. And uh, I could have thought it would have been Roman Reigns, depending on what happens against Brock Lesnar later on in that night. I presume the Reigns-Lesnar match would be the main event of the card, obviously, yeah, no, as yeah. it would be. But, you know, they kind of delayed Seth coming out, and then eventually after Ziegler signed the contract, Seth come out and he said, well, you know, I did say I've had some issues with travel, but they wasn't for me. And as you've got a psychopath in your corner, I'm going to have a lunatic in my corner. So, of course, big reaction. Dean Ambrose come out. And the pair of them cleared the ring and then bumped fists after it to celebrate. Yeah, and are you happy about Dean Ambrose's return to the question of the night? It's been a long nine months without him and, you know, he's one of my guys, so to speak. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see him back and hopefully he'll be ring ready soon enough. Yeah, no, I,
0: it's brilliant to see him and, of course, he'll be involved here tonight at SummerSlam. And uh, WWE Network just got live with their kickoff in Brooklyn. We'll give you uh, live updates On that, but we were talking about Raw, and now it's time to talk about uh, SmackDown. And SmackDown Live this week finished in a rather weird manner, considering this is their go home show before SummerSlam, WWE's second biggest show of the year.
1: In Greenville, South Carolina, SmackDown ended with Samoa Joe letter to his SummerSlam opponent, AJ Styles, which he claims is from his wife, Wendy.
0: Well, it was a rush segment that Destroyer had barely finished reading the letter before the show went off the air. We hardly saw a reaction for the Phenomenal one either.
1: Well, they had a bit of a backstage confrontation and WWE, however, completed the pitch on their social media accounts after the show as they published a video of Styles being held back from attacking Joe backstage.
0: Well, enraged, Styles was been held back by the Usos and Gallows and Anderson from
1: attacking Joe to talk to WWE champion ahead of their SummerSlam clash. The Destroyer stayed just out of the phenomenal one's reach, continuously taunting him, saying he had three weeks to find him but did nothing.
0: Well, Joe then asked AJ if he was going to make him a promise, but then he said he can't keep promises to his wife. He then left with Sal still struggling to break free, saying they are protecting you from me.
1: And it would have been so much better if they'd have shown this on TV, but it looks like they were short on time and had to this confrontation could take place on air. Well, during the dark
0: match after SmackDown, uh, Styles reunite with a club. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson to take on Joe, Randy Orton and Shizuki fucking Nakamura.
1: Orton and Joe spent most of the match fighting Gallows and Anderson outside the ring while Styles and Nakamura battled inside the ring.
0: Well, the finish shot Orton hit Anderson with an RKO only for Gallows to plant a big boot on him. Nakamura then hit him with a mm. Kinshasha, But then AJ connected to Styles, slashing him to get the win for his team and call cool send the fans home happy.
1: And fingers crossed, WWE gives Styles versus Joe the attention and time it deserves this uh, tonight at SummerSlam, as they certainly div- didn't give it enough this week on SmackDown.
0: And of course, later on the show, we'll be running through the card in depth as well. But now it's time for games, and we've been looking forward to playing games. Of course, we play it on every single live show. Uh, we've got a couple of them here tonight, a couple of old favourites. Uh, we're going to start off with Dead or Alive for you, Dan. You can go... First here tonight, uh, you've got to guess if they're dead or alive. It's pretty simple, as this game suggests. So first up for you, Dan, it's Johnny Grunge or New Jack.
1: Oh, um, I'm going to go with New Jack being dead.
0: Oh... It's not a great start for you. New Jack is a lunatic and he is still alive. Johnny Grunge, but the public enemy sadly passed away. So, naught for 1. Up next, Bam Bam Bigelow or Shane Douglas?
1: I think I'd remember Bam Bam Bigelow if he if he had passed away. So, I'm going to say Shane Douglas.
0: <laughs> oh, no! Dear. Oh, dear. Shane Douglas is still alive. I'm still wrestling, believe it or not. Bam Bam Bigelow, sadly... Passed away. No, for two. Dan, this is awful. Uh, right now, up next. corner, you can get this one. Guy Dudley or Big Dick
1: Dudley. Um, this one's going to be a toss of a coin. I'm going to go with Big Dick Dudley being dead.
0: Yeah, you got one right. <laughs> you got one. Big Dick. I'm sorry, I shouldn't celebrate someone's death, but Big Dick Dudley. Did pass away and sign guy Dudley for all intents' and purposes is uh, still alive. So there we go. That was dead or alive? Not for one. So I have to better that now in your game, uh, to see who come out on top and then of course we've got a decider as well. So what what game do you wanna play, Dan, it's up to you? Uh
1: we go with Elephant or F one. Hey,
0: Elephant or F one. So, if I do badly in this, it means we'll have to have a kind of shootout round, I suppose, and uh, that'll probably be born in. I'm not saying I'm going to do badly here, but let's see what happens. So, uh, Dan, please, so you can take over. No, are you go? ready
1: for the first elephant or an F1 car? We should explain, yeah, to anybody who never listened to this show, what are the rules? The rules are, I'm going to make a noise, and it sounds either like an elephant or an F car. They sound quite similar, but... James has got a guess. I've got a card here with Elephant and F1 written on it. And I'm going to have it selected already. And then you're going to have to guess. That is which why ones. you
0: cannot cheat with this as well. Because, like I say, we'll look at the winner here. Otherwise, it's pointless. <laughs>
1: it
0: is indeed, yes. <laughs> so, Dan, please take it away. <laughs> oh, now that. Is a difficult one. That is a difficult one. Um
1: I'm gonna say elephant. It was an F one car. Oh Going past at high speed.
0: <laughs> Thoughtful one. Alright, second one
1: then. <laughs> F one car? Oh James, James, James Oh no It was an elephant. Fucking hell, 0 for 2. All right, third time then. Third time lucky. Three, one. All right, I'm going to select a card. I've got my card in hand. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> right, quickly, elephant. F1. Ah,
0: oh, fuck, I need get one. 0, for 3. Oh, Jesus Christ. And This is not fixed at all. So, Daniel, 0. We got one right. I've got 0 out of 3. That is, that is terrible. So we'll play Born In then. It's a new game. Uh, Dad, do explain for everybody what the new game is?
1: Well, Born In, we go on to Wikipedia. This one has got a bit of a SummerSlam theme to it. And this is all wrestlers. that are Well, because James is a wrestling know-it-all. <laughs> and so I'm choosing anyone who's ever wrestled at a SummerSlam. And I think, James, your SummerSlam theme is main events. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wrestlers so, at SummerSlam. So anybody's
0: main event in SummerSlam from 1988 until present day uh, is included in my picks. And Dan, yours is anyone from SummerSlam.
1: Anyone that has been at a SummerSlam. And we get three questions, yes or no answers, to try and determine who it is. You know, a bit of a hint in case they're a bit difficult. Yeah, Because they're not uh, easy. Yeah. If you need it. <laughs> if if I need yeah, it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I'll be right. <laughs> uh, so. You, wh- who do you want to go first? Do you, um, I'll, I'll. Do you, you want to go first? I'll guess. I'll go
1: first. I've got mine ready and set up. Yeah, go on then. Okay. Well, he was born April twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. An American professional wrestler and commentator, best known for his tenure with WWE under the ring name. He was a participant in NXT as well.
0: So, commentator in NXT, uh, from, uh, from NXT. He was in NXT.
1: He was a participant in what, the what second season of NXT. What
0: year was he born? 1981.
1: 1984. It's David Utanga. No.
0: Commentator from NXT?
1: No. He's an American professional wrestler and commentator. So his commentary might not have been based in WWE, he might have commentated elsewhere, but he's best known for his tenure with WWE. Right,
0: I'll tell you what, can I, I'm going to change rules quickly, we'll have three guesses as well, <laughs> because I'm just g- i have just gave one away there. Alright, so it's not Utunga, is it Percy Jackson slash Watson?
1: No, I think you're in the wrong ballpark of going with commentators. Right, okay, right,
0: give me, give me it again, go on.
1: He was born April 28th, 1981... He's an American professional wrestler and a commentator. Best known for his tenure with WWE under the ring name. He was a participant in the second season of NXT. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a little bit more. In 2007, he he signed a developmental contract with WWE and was assigned to their territory, FCW. On October 30th, 2007, he debuted in a losing effort. And... Uh, yeah, well, that's in
0: 2007, he debuted in a losing effort.
1: On October 30th, 2007, he debuted in a losing effort. But I don't know if that was on FCW. So
0: 1981, so he would be now 37? 37. Season 2 of NXT, that's going to give me a clue. So he's in the Nexus. If it's No, it's anybody from some... events. I'm assuming Nexus. I'm going to ask one of my questions. Is he from Nexus? No. Right, I fucking know. That takes that out then. Season two. Uh, Right, let's have a think about season two.
1: This was the easy one.
0: (laughs) This was the easy one. 1981, season two. Who was the season two? Uh, I'm going to have to give up on this. This was the easy one, was it?
1: I think there's another easy one.
0: Nah. Uh, I'm going to say season two of NXT. That's thrown me completely.
1: Ask some questions. You've got two questions. You have
0: no Okay. Uh, have they won a world championship? No. Uh, are they still in WWE? No. Fuck. <laughs> that don't really help either
1: way. Um, he was in FCW from twenty
0: Oh, it was a long time no. to be in FCW, wasn't it? Did he come up to the main roster? Yes. And how he long was, was?
1: At SummerSlam.
0: He debuted at SummerSlam. No,
1: he was at SummerSlam.
0: What year was he at SummerSlam? That's the last um, question.
1: I can't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> I've not got that part on it.
0: What other clues can you give me?
1: Um, I'll give you his real name. Got it. Kevin Robert Killy Jr.
0: I I have no idea. Go on, tell me.
1: It was Alex Riley.
0: And, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. I would never got that in a million years. No, I don't think it was. All right, so that's difficult. I'm going to give you uh, a nice one now. Uh, okay. Was born in Crawfordsville, Indiana. He was the oldest of five children was raised by his mother, along with the latter with his stepfather. All right. Uh, after his father left his family when he was 12, his father died at 57 and his grandfather died at 52, so they die early. The family moved to Indiana where he graduated from Wiedersburg Fountain Central High School and attended Indiana State University for a year. So the clues here, he was, um, I haven't got the year he was born, but his family members died when they were younger, when they should. He's main evented Summer Slams before.
1: Summer Slams. Some,
0: well, um, Summer Slams. If, if, wherever your free questions are, I can. Do you want me to find out the year he was born? If that would help you. Um, He's. An, I, I give you a clue with it. He's an 80s wrestler. 80s wrestler.
1: There's only about three or four Summer Slams in the in
0: the 80s, weren't there? Well, yeah, yeah. He was in the 90s as well, but I can't <coughs> give you too many clues. If it's going to be a proper question, this as well.
1: Is he still an active wrestler? No, I wouldn't have thought so. That's a stupid question. No, think
0: about one of the clues are giving you about his family.
1: They died young. Um, is he alive? No. Ah. Main evented. Um, is he part of a wrestling dynasty? Family. Part of wrestling, no. Um, third and final question: <laughs> Is did he ever become a WWF WWE champion? He did,
0: yes. <coughs> so you're looking for an eighty uh, star. I'll give you. I'll give you clues back to you. the, uh, the family members died young. He's a former. He's a wrestler from the 80s, and he's main about the Summer Slams. Warrior? It is the ultimate warrior, Dan. Well <laughs> done. <laughs> I think I gave you better clues than you gave me, to be fair. <laughs> but, yeah, you get that one. I'll give you that. You get a point. I didn't think this was going to go on for so long. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. So, you'll go to me, then.
1: Okay. I don't think this is going to be an easy one, no. but <clears throat> I, I think, you know, I've, I've got a few c- clues in there as oh, well. Cool. Right, he was born March 28th, 1962, mm-hmm. is an American professional wrestler, Yeah. Uh, he's best known by the ring name, and is, his,
0: sorry, first question, is his ring name different to his real name? Yes. Right, okay.
1: He's best known for his tenures in NWA mm-hmm. and the WWF, mm-hmm. as one half of a tag team. Oh, okay. His first national exposure was in NWA territory. Yeah. Um, they departed the company in 88 and joined the WWF, where they competed in a tag team division until the team was quietly split in the 90s, or 1990.
0: Um, is it, can I have a guess? You can. Is it Arn Anderson? No. Is it the other one? <laughs>
1: okay, go on. Uh, well, he's he's from Pompano Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um. He competed as singles wrestler until departing in ninety two. So mm-hmm. he was he was in the WWF from eighty eight to ninety two. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a good clue of what Summer Slams he was part of. Um, he had a small scene in 1996 mm-hmm. where he briefly reunited with his former tag team partner. Oh, hang on. So in
0: 1996, he reformed with his tag team partner on WSW. Yes. Okay. That is it. That is it. That oh, is shit. It. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's a guy who was in a tag team for 88 to 90, 1990, and a 1990 to 92 singles wrestler, and then but he managed somehow. So it wasn't. So you got to discount someone like Marty Jannetty, maybe in the Rockers, because obviously Shawn Michaels wasn't there in WSW. Uh, you've got to think about other wrestlers who was in the NWA and then came over part of a tag team. How many tag team titles did the the team win? I mean, how successful were they?
1: I don't think they was very successful, but I, I could be wrong. They they did hold the six man tag team championships in NWA. I suppose with them and another person as well. So, shall I give you their WCW tag team name? Yeah, The Super Assassins.
2: Oh, we want to
0: say Ken Patera. Nah. <laughs> okay, now I've got one more guess. One more guess. Super Assassins.
1: In 86, while working out in the gym in Minnesota, he met his owner Joe Laranitis, better known as professional wrestler, Animal. After coming up with possible ring names with Sharky and Animal, he adopted his in-ring moniker. It's not
0: the LAD then, is it?
1: No. He sent some photos of his work to Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, Bebe. Soon afterwards, Rhodes hired him and he began wrestling for the NWA. Um, While there he teamed with Carl Kovac. And won the Territory's Tag Team Championship. I really...
0: I'm going to say the Warlord. Put me out of my misery.
2: It
1: was the Warlord. Yes!
2: <laughs> well done. Well, at least I got
1: one there. <laughs> <laughs> that was close. Yes, one half of the powers of pain <laughs> alongside... Oh, Haku. The Barbarian. Barbarian. Fuck it. I've
0: got Warlord. Don't know where that came from. Should be talking to Mike. Don't know where that came from. So the Warlord there for mine... Wow, I think fair play. So, your one now, Dan. Was born July twelfth, 1977 in Webster, South Dakota. The son of Stephanie and Richard and grew up the parents' dairy father. He is of German descent. He has two older brothers, Choi and Chad, and has a younger sister, Brandy. At the age of 17, he joined the Army National Guard, where he was assigned to an office job after his red-green colour bliss was deemed hazardous to his desire to work with explosives. <laughs> he lost his job after failing a failing computer typing test and later worked for a construction company. So, clues there, Dan. I mean, do you have so any... I'm 77,
1: that would make him four-ish. Yeah,
0: so, he grew up on a farm of German descent. Now, I mean, he's not German, but what did Germans look like? What's the kind of prototype German? Blonde.
1: Blue eyes. Is that big, you big, know? Big, yeah. Um. So, first question: yep. Is he still an active wrestler? Yes. Is he active in WWE? Yes.
0: It's two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two. <laughs> I'll let that one
0: go as one. <clears throat>
1: um. I think it's a German, blonde hair, blue eyes. How many brothers and sisters?
0: Well, if you think about their names, right? So if you to think about his name, and then one thing I'll give you uh, uh, that you gave me last time, his ring name is the same as his real name. All right? all right. So this might help out. So just think of like what his name might be, and then his brothers Troy, Chad, Brandy. You know, very much hard work, hard names, aren't they? You have got to think of maybe hard real names that someone has got. Did he capture the heavyweight championship? Yes. Is his name Brock? His name is Brock, yeah. It is Brock Lesnar Dan. Well done. You get another one there. Uh so there brock Lesnar. Alright, back to me then Dan, All fucking right, your
1: first One. <laughs> he was born november twenty eighth, nineteen seventy four, which makes him forty three years old. An American professional wrestler, best known for his work with WWE, where he performed under his real name. Right. This is a big clue as well, post-WWE. He's known for his work with the National Wrestling Alliance, where he's a former two-time NW heavyweight champion. He's also a seven-time tag team champion. Becoming a three-time tag team champion in the WWE. Four-time NWA World Tag Team Champion. Um, he's currently the only wrestler to have held the NWA Heavyweight and NWA World Tag Team Championships simultaneously. least so, he's 43 years old, yes. So is he still active? I. He's not active in the WWE.
0: And when was his heyday? When 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 did he win the WWE Tag Team
1: Um I would say mid two thousands.
0: Fucking hell! So he used his real name.
1: Is his wrestling name?
0: His real name is his wrestling. Not in WWE as well.
1: His real name was he was using his real name in the WWE.
0: Right. Okay. So using his real name. 2005, uh, still competing now, uh, so who was around, who was champion and still alive, around like that, NWA champion as well, NWA, I mean that's, it feels like that's quite a long time ago, but I suppose it's NWA after the fact, isn't it, do you know what I mean, like, yes. so 43, two, it's not Rob Conway, is it?
1: It is Rob <laughs> Conway. Yes. <laughs> well done. How the fuck am I getting there? <laughs> so <laughs> well, <laughs> we mid two thousands. It was two
0: thousand and three to two thousand and five. Yeah, part. but I mean, there's three members of the Alistons, isn't there? So that was a guess. But Rob Conway, NWA, gave it away because I know he's NWA pin. I think he was or yeah. competed there as well. So two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf said for me. But Dan, can you uh, get exactly the same? You are one for one at the moment. No, no. Two you, for two. You're two for two. So can you better me now?
1: We both... No, you... um, We're currently drawing. No. Hang on a minute. Because I got one out of your three Yeah. in the Dead or Alive. You got zero out of three. So I've won it. Can I, can this be the icing on the cake and get a cl- mm. In the... Wikipedia. Well, all right.
0: no need to So he was born tenth of August nineteen eighty in Penwortham, Lancashire. He lived in Preston actually until the age of six when he moved to Wales with his family. Stu Bennett. It is Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett. Stu Bennett, there you go. You get <coughs> it there, Dan. That is it. Dan is a winner of games and we'll be playing it again in the next live shows that we have. My God, that got involved then with the games and everything like that. But uh, I think it was worthwhile. We hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, So we do, though, move on to news.
1: News!
0: And the tributes continue to pour in for Brian Christopher. The Rock got to know Christopher during his early wrestling days in the USWA, shortly before he was signed by Jim Ross. And here's what The Rock had to say. He said, RIP, brother. Spent all week trying to process the hard loss of my good bud, Brian Christopher. He became a great friend of the day I stepped foot in the small wrestling territory in the south known as the USWA to start my pro wrestling career. We rode together daily, 1,500 miles per week, trained together at my gym, and we could find... At together at any Waffle House off the highway, wrestled together in flea markets, to state fairs, shared motel rooms together, and would always dream and talk shit about what life would be like once we made it in the big leagues and the WWE.
1: Once we both finally made it to the big leagues of WWE, nothing changed. We still did everything together in nightly Madden, nightly Madden tournaments after our wrestling matches in our motel room, and we'd extend our competitive spirit to a rowdy game of Wiffle Ball, Imagine us acting like crazy, whiffable idiots at 2am in the parking lot of the Motel 6.
0: Well, our jaws would hurt from laughing so hard, then we'd finally take our butts to bed, hit the gym in the morning, drive 200 miles to the next town to wrestle, and start the night all over again.
1: I'll miss those times now even more. Hurts my heart to know how Brian decided to check out. Him to be suicidal, but I guess sometimes the pain just gets to be too much for one to take. I'll miss you, man. And the good times we had. Thanks for being a great friend. Thanks for being my boy.
0: I mean, I did you ever know that they were that close back in the day? I honestly didn't know. No, neither did I. So there's uh, still tributes coming in. And uh, again, it was Jerry the King Lawyer, who the WWE legend wore a ring vest, belonged to his son Brian, as a tribute prior to a match against James Ellsworth in Tennessee. He shared a picture of the vest and it basically it was what Grandmaster Sexe used to wear. And Ellsworth also tweeted about the match as well and he said, Just wrestled the most emotional match of my career. Well I can't describe the amount of respect I have for Jerry Lawler. It's a true honour and pleasure to share ring with him always.
1: And Jerry Lawler talks Sam Brian Christopher's death questions cause of death as well.
0: Yeah, well, the legend, Jerry Law, expressed doubts regarding his son's call to death while speaking about the ordeal in his podcast, Dinner with the King.
1: Pro Wrestling Sheets reported that Brian Christopher Lawler hanged himself in his jail cell and was rushed to hospital where he later died. Brian Lawler had been in jail on charges of driving under the influence and eluding arrest.
0: Well, a lot of people expressed, as I have, doubts as to whether Brian really did actually commit suicide, Lawler said to co-host Moore.
1: Lawler said... The Tennessee Bureau of Investigations is investigating the case and fellow inmates reached out to the Lawler family to convey similar scepticism about the initial report.
0: Oh, well, we move on from that and to injuries. It looks like recent tweets from Matt Hardy about retirement have nothing to do with WWE's storyline, as some have speculated. Hardy revealed on Twitter that he recently learned that his lower back and pelvis have started to fuse together, which does sound painful.
1: Yes, Hardy has talked about his match with Edge at Unforgiven two thousand and five, where he was permanently damaged after executing a leg drop off the top of the cage. His is the same and it's the reason why he has slowed down in recent years.
0: Well he tweeted that the manoeuvre was called the event um, mo the <laughs> The manoeuvre was called event omega, and it's most likely the reason that he recently learned that my lower back and pelvis have started to fuse together.
1: Yes, on Friday, Rebby Hardy tweeted to do which means everything has its end. Her tweet was retweeted by Matt. Uh,
0: if this is the end for Matt Hardy, he's a fame career, and there is no word he plans to step away from the ring, but it, like you said, he wrestled on the weekend's live event show, and he might even be involved here tonight at SummerSlam.
1: It looks like Matt Hardy will not be retiring in the immediate future, as previously noted. Hardy noted on Twitter that his lower back and pelvis have fused together, Prior to that tweet, he was posting messages that looked like he was teasing retirement.
0: Well, Dave Meltzer reported Hardy's in pain, but it's not terrible pain, and will be undergoing a new rehab treatment that will help him.
1: And Hardy is playing things by ear right now, and his recent posts were not meant to be retirement tweets. They were just put out there to let fans know that he's not going to be wrestling forever. Well,
0: let's hope the new rehab treatment works for him because his back pelvis fusion sounds like something that could get a lot worse over time. But he tweeted to Bray Wyatt goodbye, so more on a story, I guess, in the upcoming weeks.
1: Yes, and a tweet featuring a snippet of audio from the August 9th edition of Wrestling Observer Radio found its way to SmackDown superstar Peyton Royce's timeline. The clip featured the Observers Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez discussing... Why they feel Royce and her Iconics partner Billy Kay have struggled to find their footing on the main roster. Meltzer's reasoning eventually focused on Peyton's look.
0: Meltzer said, The Iconics get boring out there. Another one. I thought they had a cool act in NXT. I don't get a thing out of them. I don't think their promos are particularly good. Their wrestlings are good. I think they even like, I think Peyton Royce's transformation to look more attractive. I don't know. I don't want to say, but I don't think that.
1: Well, Alvarez goes on to say she was more attractive in NXT.
0: Well, Meltzer, I'll be Meltzer, you be Alvarez. I think okay, that would be yeah, fair. Be uh, I thought so, yes. To me, yes. I would say so, but that's neither here nor there.
1: No one's saying she's unattractive, by the way, everybody.
0: I know. No shit. Yeah, I didn't say it at all. But I don't think she'd stand out to me. When she was NXT, she did.
1: You know, one thing I've noticed about NXT is...
0: Well, she was she was a lot lighter. <gasps>
1: Yes, and Royce responded, taking Meltzer to task for commenting on her weight specifically and his critique being an example of the kind of image shaming which which negatively impacts women throughout society.
0: Yes, she said, uh, so what would you have me do, Love myself. This is how nightmares for young women start. The females in your life must be proud.
1: A defence raised for Meltzer in light of Peyton's response is that Dave was attempting to diplomatically address plastic surgery she has had done before being promoted from NXT, rather than being critical of a weight gain. Even with that in mind, however, his comments are still, at best, tone deaf in lights of the strides wrestling has made in presenting women as entertainers and athletes instead of eye candy. Coming from someone who has both seen as wrestling's most well-known critic journalist, has his own critics due to his takes on women, specifically and social issues in general. A backlash was coming regardless of how of it, how of if, or how Royce got involved.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what she did, however, her WWE family supported her and joined in condemning Meltzer. Billy Kay said, this is unacceptable on so many levels. How dare you say that someone is more attractive They are lighter. You have no idea how stupid comments like this can affect someone for life. Peyton Royce is perfect, just the way she is a strong and beautiful woman. I mean, (laughs) Meltzer has a lot to make up for, and we'll see if the community forgives him after that.
1: Well, Colt Cabana has has filed a lawsuit against CM Punk. Stemming from Punk's civil lawsuit against WWE Doctor Chris Aman.
0: Can I just say if we ever have not fallen out, can we not go the Punk cult cabana route? Is that alright? Can I'm we just sue
1: you for everything you've got <laughs> you son, bitch?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, per Evan F. Moore of Chicago Sun Times, Cabana is suing Punk for breach of contract and fraud after claiming the former WWE champion offered to cover his legal fees during a case with a
1: Cabana's lawsuit contends Punk promised to help him out with the legal bills. They amassed fighting the defamation lawsuit. Cabana claims Punk told him in a text that it would be 100% covered.
0: Well, Punk has failed to keep that promise, leaving him with unpaid legal bills totalling $513,736.
1: Well, Punk asked Cabana to pay half of the legal fees, which comes out to 256868 saying you're on your own.
0: Well, Cabana is seeking the total $1.2 million in his lawsuit, in general and exemplary damages.
1: Or a man filed a defamation lawsuit in February 2015 for comments Punk made during an appearance on Cabana's podcast about a man's medical treatment.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about that on the, uh, the podcast previously. And like we say, um, after all this, I mean, it's a bad way for it to go, really. Meltzer was talking about it, and he pops his head up again. He said the reason Cabana was put through the legal process along with Punk was probably because WWE wanted to turn him on Punk. Of course, Cabana didn't leave Punk's team, although he later got his own counsel. Note: W didn't care about Cabana because Punk was the primary target of the lawsuit as well.
1: Uh, so,
0: I mean, what were what your thoughts on this horrible way the Punk Cabana thing has gone?
1: Um, you know, the, these two guys, they were best friends, inseparable, you know, spent a lot of time together coming up, and I don't know, I think. Could it be stemmed from Cabana being jealous of Punk's rise to meteoric fame in WWE?
0: Well, although Cabana didn't portray Punk during the trial, it was said their friendship had fallen out beforehand. The two spoke to each other during the trial because they were on the same side, but it's still a personal issue between the two former friends. There were rumours that Punk was upset with Cabana because he went to a WWE show. Punk reportedly felt that like he shouldn't be so friendly with the company responsible for suing them, no matter who Cabana was visiting backstage. So, I mean, it's a bit of both of the two, isn't it? You know, uh, 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 when it when it comes to it. I mean, Punk maybe just wants to get away from the whole rest of the world. If that means dumping a friend he's had for 15 years, then maybe that's what he's going to do. And now, of course, sent uh with a. So, we'll, we'll just see what happens here. But now, a bit of good news for you, Dan, up next.
1: Yes, it is music to my ears. And Enzo, the twat amore, is closing the door on a potential WWE return. The former Cruiserweight champion, fuck knows how he got that title belt, but anyway, who was fired from WWE in January after being accused of rape, said he would not return to the ring in a million years.
0: He said, there ain't nobody who's got enough money to put me back in a not unless it's Creed free and un- free and I'm fighting Creed me and 50 cent versus Adonis and Rocky that's about all I got now I called out Adonis with 50 cent you don't want that smoke Adonis I'm the best fake fighting free agent in the world
1: well Amore who's 31 signed with WWE in 2012 and spent most of his time with the company as a tag team partner to Big Cass the pair were among the most over tag teams in the company well that's their opinion <laughs> until they're until
0: were. Come on!
1: Until their breakup, Cass was released from the company in June after a failed singles run.
0: Well, Amora was a top name in the cruiserweight division, <laughs> wasn't he? And obviously, until the uh, the rape thing. But I mean, he's got a rap career now. He's put out songs called Phoenix and by Bury Me a G. Uh, but he's currently being advertised for the August seventeenth House of Glory wrestling show. So, what about that? Eh?
1: <laughs> well. And uh, we get a bit of Neville news.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen up, Mark Tardis. You want to know what happened to Neville? A lot of people do. Dan, we've got a bit of an update.
1: Yes, Triple H offered little clarity regarding the status of former cruiserweight champion Neville during a conference call on Wednesday. I'm not 100% positive. I would need to go back and look into that, Triple H said, per Ringside News. To me, he's one of the most talented guys in the world, and time will see where that ends up.
0: Well, Neville hasn't competed in nearly a year. Last festival, on September 26, 2017, edition of Five Live, he defeated Davari before being attacked by Len cruiserweight champion Enzo Amore.
1: Well, Bleacher Report speculated last October that Neville has grown frustrated with his role in WWE. He seemed to be staring at an upper glass ceiling in a cruiseweight division and his biggest matches were often relegated to the pay-per-view pre-show.
0: Well, Neville remains under contract with WWE and he's still included on the WWE.com active roster page.
1: Triple H's comments ultimately don't represent any tangible progress towards resolving the situation.
0: Well, the WWE executive didn't shut down the idea of Neville wrestling again and put him over as a great in-ring talent. But this, after months of Neville, presumably sitting at home with nothing to do.
1: It seems fair to wonder where WWE actually has any plans for Neville, given his lengthy absence.
0: All right, so we're going to move on a bit of news in the moment. We should say our 1st kickoff match is starting, and it is going to be Cien and Zelina Vega versus Rusev and Lana. And, of course, we do predictions every time. Explain everybody what prediction leagues are.
1: Yes, we've got three prediction leagues. We've got the WWE pay-per-views, we've got the NXT pay-per-views, and we've got a bonus pay-per-views as well. And... You know, we predict the outcomes of matches. Whoever gets the most right, we get a point. And if we get all of them right and a, a clean sweep, then we get a bonus point. And we also have little games and challenges throughout the year as well yeah. to see if we get any more bonus points. Well, but,
0: look, I, I should say before we open, open up the envelopes now, but I've got the points in my hand as well at this moment in time. And I should say, with NXT TakeOver
3: events, we will not tell you what that is because that will be our next podcast. But pay-per-view-wise, at this moment in time, we are 5 all when it comes to pay-per-views. And bonus points, 10-9 to Dan. So, there was like with 2 to NXT, will that change the next event? That's how close we are. But we start off with this one, and like I would say, we do predictions. And I'll go first. Cena, uh, you went last, last time out. I'm going to say this one. Vega and
1: CN. Oh, wow. So, you've gone for that. For my 311, boy. Yeah. Well, James, it's not going to be CN's day. It's going to be Rusev day. Oh my God! So the first one we've got different. So we have got different things everything here tonight. He's so out a close here.
3: Rusev's coming out. And why do you think Rusev and are going to win? Then? Oh, I, I I just think Rusev should win it. I think CN's going up. Rusev's staying the same way. I think uh, Zelina Vega's more talented than Lana. That's why I think they're going to win it. We'll update you on that match as we go along. But now it's the May Young Classic. And uh, WWE announced that the 2018 May Young Classic will premiere on Wednesday, September 5th at 9pm after NXT
1: goes off the air. The 32 women tournament will continue each Wednesday night until two competitors remain. The finals will then take place on Sunday, October 28th. I don't know why that date
0: I don't know why either.
1: At the first ever All Women's Evolution pay-per-view. Oh, that's why. Because it's all about women. Uh, I mean, the day. Not. I'm not being sexist in no, that. No, it's actually my
0: birthday. I should, yeah, say, uh, we should uh, say that before you get
1: complaints about it. Yes. <laughs> yes, well, it's fitting that it takes place on James's birthday. The, oh. The tournament will take tonight and tomorrow night at the Full Sail University and we'll have live spoilers as they happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, if people want the spoilers, but w has also confirmed the may young announced team for this year michael cole renee young and hall of famer beth phoenix it's also announced at the uh, may young classic bracketology special where they're on wednesday august 29th hosted by phoenix and Mara and arlo we are going to bring you a uh, couple of big episodes about the may young classic uh, if it's going to be weekly then we'll be having a uh, monthly updates on that before october 28th and that should be great but dan uh, now it's time we've got all the competitors We've got our two picks. We've each pick a third one. We don't know any of the spoilers, so we're going to pick a third one out. I should say that my picks for the Mae Young Classic already are Kavita Devi from India and also Iyara from Japan. So we've got picks. Daniels is Tony Storm from Australia. I know this, but I've already got it written down. And also your other one, of course, if I can see her here, is... Where is she on this list? I know exactly where she is, but I can't actually see her. Ariel Monroe was your choice for second. So we want third here. Should we just run through the list of names in the Mayan Classic?
1: Yeah, let's go for it, yeah. yeah. We've got Caitlin from the USA.
0: Io Shiara, my pick.
1: Tegan Knox from Wales.
0: Casey Canzaro.
1: Tony Storm, my pick.
0: Ginny from England.
1: Ashley Rain from the US.
0: Kavita Devi, my pick from India.
1: Miko Satamora from Japan.
0: Rhea Ripley from Australia.
1: Diona Peruzzo from the US. Raina
0: Gonzalez, US.
1: Lacey Lane, US.
0: Jessica Elaban.
1: Nicole Matthews, Canadian eh? MJ
0: Jenkins from the US.
1: Karen Q from the US.
0: Zatara, Chile.
1: Mia Yim.
0: Uh, Mercedes (laughs) Martinez. Alison K. We've got Hiro Masutamoto.
1: Zia Lee from China. She was
0: my pick from last year. Uh, Zuex.
1: Isla Dawn.
0: Ariel Monroe, Dan's pick. Rachel Evers. Priscilla Kelly. Killer Kelly. So we, oh no, we've still got some more. Vanessa Craven.
1: And Zia Brookside from England.
0: So, third pick Dan. I'm going to write down who I think my third pick is going to be. I think this is quite easy for me. I've got it. Dan, please, will you pick a woman?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Funny, it was that easy. Um, oh, this one's just going to be off the top of my noggin. I'm going to go for Zia Brookside, daughter of Robbie Brookside, I believe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she actually is. Yeah, yeah, amazing. No, we don't know. We'll find out as we get there. So Zia Brookside. Dan, can you guess who I've gone for?
1: You have gone for Tony Storm.
0: No, I haven't. Uh, Tony Storm is yours, I'll leave it at that. I've gone Isla Dawn from Scotland because she's represented in the May Young Classic here. So we've got our three picks and of course we'll bring that to you when it all starts happening. And speaking of women, W announced last week that Renee Young would uh, fill in for Jonathan Coachman as guest commentator on Raw. Dan, what were your thoughts of Renee Young on Raw?
1: I thought she'd done quite well, yes. Um, she's a lot better than Mara Ovinalo. What is your
0: problem, Renal? I think Renee Young, we're talking about Renee Young here. I think she did quite a good job. Uh, in match commentary isn't foreign to her low, as she was part of the NXT Announced team and also called matches alongside Tom or Tom Phillips on superstars. Uh so yeah, we know she's gonna be in the Mae Young Classic. That's gonna be great for her. And we'll move on to our next story and it is our next story is just incredible. Do you know that, Dan? It really is. <laughs> Uh, Connecticut State Court records show that former WNECW star, Justin Credible, Peter Polacco, is currently incarcerated at the New Haven Correctional Centre in New Haven, Connecticut.
1: The 44-year-old was arrested on Tuesday, August 14th for felony criminal violation of a protective order and misdemeanor disorderly contact uh, conduct. His current status is listed as unsentenced, but he does have a bond of seven and a half thousand dollars the case, stand, the case status for the August 14th incident is listed as a waiting plea and the next activity, likely a hearing, is scheduled for Tuesday, September the 4th at 10am in Winterbury, Connecticut.
0: Well, court records show credible, so as a court date rescheduled for 29th, 2019 for 2017 cases. He picked up, looks like those cases refer to Family Violence Court Program. They currently have a status of waiting deposition referred to Family Relations Officer listed. Cruddle was arrested on Friday, March 3rd, 2017 for misdemeanor, disorderly conduct and misdemeanor, threatening second degree. He's then arrested on Friday, December 1st, 2017 for felony criminal violation and protective order, misdemeanor, breach of peace, second degree and misdemeanor, criminal mystery, second degree. Uh, these two cases were ran together for his 2019 court day. He's already been through rehab uh, with WWE's help and he's not sorted out yet. Let's hope he can sort out these legal uh, problems and, and come back stronger.
1: Yes, uh, we've got some more injuries. And Tegan Knox suffered an injury during a WWE Mae Young Classic match with Rhea Ripley on Thursday. The match was being taped at Full Sail University. The timing couldn't be worse as Knox was getting a second shot of the Mae Young Classic after an ACL tear forced her to miss last year's tournament.
0: Well, Triple H was to ASPN and offered his take on the situation. Situation. Like most professional wrestlers' fans, Triple H described Knox's current situation, situation as heartbreaking.
1: Well, Tegan, to me, is a story of, you know, last year we really wanted her to be in the tournament and she had the ACL injury that prevented her from being in it, Triple H said. It took her all year to recover and she's just got rolling and really feeling good and just gets cleared. I mean, 100% banging around on it and it's great.
0: Well, to come here tonight and be in a position to where, let me say, it couldn't have been more heartbreaking for her emotionally, couldn't It couldn't have just been more heartbreaking. I don't know at this point what happened. She'll only funk in the dive and hurt herself.
1: The doctor backstage at Full Sail couldn't determine whether or not it was an ACL injury, so Knox was taken to a nearby hospital instead.
0: Well, the doctor looked at it and it was painful at the point that he couldn't manipulate the disc to see if it was an ACL, Triple H added. So we have her head up now and check what it is.
1: And we don't have many details, but we got reports from fans at Sunday's WWE Live event in Florence about a possible injury to the perfect Tian Ty Dillinger. Uh,
0: uh, Dillinger was in a match against Shelton Benjamin, but they went to a count-out finish early after the referee did the ex-gesture with his arms to signal the back that Dillinger was legitimately injured.
1: Yes, the injury happened after a bad fall, and one person in attendance said it looked like he got knocked We're posting an update when we get more details and they become available?
0: Well, what has just become available here is uh, Zelina Vega and uh, CN have just nicked a victory. It was an awful ending. CN took Rousseau out the barricade. The roll-up, she was meant to get the ropes, couldn't really reach, and got the job done like that. So it does start off one point to nil, down. But, I mean, there's 14, uh, 12, 13 matches here. So it is going to change throughout the night, but it's 1-0 to me as we begin. a more in... So Sincara announced Tuesday that he underwent knee surgery.
1: The masked luchador tweeted the following tweet about the procedure.
0: Well, the Sincara character is currently portrayed by 40 year old Hoygate Arias, who previously wrestled in WWE as Hunico.
1: Arias made his main wrestler debut in 2011 as Sincara when the original Sincara, Lewis Irvy, was suspended. Yeah,
0: so we hope Sincara comes back, but then again. Not maybe the most important member of the roster, but it's still bad. And well, injuries, and now we turn to unfortunate deaths in uh, WWE. Yes. And WWE Network have uh, got a new collection in memory of Jimmy Anvil Nineheart, 1955 to 2018. Remember to celebrate the life and career of Jimmy Anvil with this special collection. WWE uh, posted a statement.
1: Yes, uh, WWE is saddened to learn that Jimmy Anvil Nineheart has passed away. Best known as the powerhouse of the legendary tag team Hart Foundation, in, uh, with his brother in law Brett the Hitman Hart. Jim Hart was also the father of current WWE superstar Natalia.
0: Well, Nine Hart began his in ring career after playing professional football with the Oakland Raiders and Dallas Cowboys. He was trained by WWE Hall of Famer Stu Hart in the infamous Hart Dungeon in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and earned his in ring nickname the Anvil after winning an anvil throwing contest.
1: Neidhart married Stu's daughter Ellie to become a member of the legendary Hart family before making the move to WWE along with Bret Hart, Dynamite Kid, and Davy Boy Smith when Stu Hart's Calgary Stampede wrestling.
0: Now I I know this is a death, but can I can I just go back to uh, the called the anvil after throwing the anvil? That's not why The Rock is called The Rock. If that was the case of everybody throwing their namesake, I'm worried for Adam Cole, baby. Anyway, we move on from that. And initially, Nine Hart and Hart were managed by Jimmy Hart, the Hart Foundation, and they wanted to win two WWE World Tag Team titles.
1: After several years of teaming with Brett's younger brother, Owen, and some singles competition, the Hart Foundation was in controversial fashion in 1997, consisting of Nine Hart, Brett, Owen, Smith, and Brian Pillman. The pro-Canadian faction stirred the United States crowd into a frenzy with their anti-American sermons.
0: Well, Nineheart last competed in WWE ninety seven, but his legacy lives on today through his daughter Natalia, who displays her father's signature charisma and toughness every single time she steps into the ring.
1: Yes, WWE extends its cons- condolences to Nineheart's family, friends, and family.
0: I mean, what are your thoughts on losing Jimmy Anvil Nineheart, Dan?
1: I thought he was he was a great wrestler. Um, you know, he was, he was the powerhouse part of uh, one of the greatest tag teams going. And, uh, yeah, he's certainly going to be missed. And I did like his his trademark ginger beard as well. Yeah, no, uh,
0: Jim Neinhart is brilliant. Well, Vince McMahon remembers Jim, Leavel anvil Ninehart and WWE Chairman's tweeted the passing of Jim. This is likely a passing that hits Vince very hard as we know how close he worked with the Hart family throughout the years. Not to mention, in Jim's heyday, Vincent Mann was a lot more hands-on with the talent. He tweeted, reflecting on life and the legacy of Jimmy Anvil Nineheart today, my thoughts and those of the entire W family are with Nappy nature
1: and the Nineheart family. Natty, she said, shared a, uh, a very heartfelt tweet. She goes, I can't put into words how hard it's going to be for myself and our family to have to say goodbye to my dad. He meant the world to us and nothing will ever replace the special times we shared together as a family. My dad was always a fighter and an incredibly special person. There was no one like him. I'm just going to miss him so much. We're going to hold all of the moments we had with him close to our hearts forever and never let them go. I promise to keep your memory alive. We love you so much, Daddy. On behalf of my entire family, we would also like to personally thank everyone for the outpouring of thoughts and prayers. It's meant so much to us.
0: Mm, and that's uh, lovely Thereby. Natalia, and uh, yeah, it's, it's horrible, you know. But we try and put a positive spin on things because we've got four great Jimmy Anvil Heart matches to watch on the WWE network. So if anybody's never seen Jimmy Anvil Nighthawk before, we have got four. Match number one, Dan.
1: Match number one is the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis versus the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. And the Hart Foundation's feud with the British Bulldogs was one of the greatest tag team rivalries in WWE history. When they started having a series of matches around 86 and 87, the two teams ended up in a six-man tag match at WrestleMania three, With the Hart Foundation as one of the biggest heel factions to ever compete in WWE, teaming up with evil referee Danny Davis was just a stroke of genius. And putting them over that night only made the fans hate them all that much more. The heat from the crowd in Detroit that night was legendary, and the Hart Foundation reveled in every second of it.
0: Match number two. Is the Heart Foundation versus the Brainbusters at SummerSlam 1989? 1989. In 1989, the Heart Foundation was on the rise, and at the second SummerSlam, the pair faced off against tag team champs Arn Anson and Tully Blanchett, aka the Brainbusters. In the storyline, a match was signed before the Brainbusters became champs, so the titles weren't on the line. That said, to be able to watch a young, all pink Heart Foundation face off against two of the four horsemen is an absolute treat. The work rate and finesse in this match are amazing and the pure strength and toughness that Nineheart and Anson bring to the table completed the perfect yin to the yang. An underrated classic in my eyes and not just because it features some of my favourite all-time wrestlers, Antully. Tully.
1: Uh, number three was the Hart Foundation versus WWF Tag Team Championship in the Best of Three Falls at SummerSlam 1990. And the things you love as a child will always have special meaning to you. The late 80s and early 90s are considered by many to be the golden era of WWF. The British Bulldogs were a little before my time, so Brett and Anvil were to me the pinnacle of a complimentary tag team. Technical excellence matched with Bruce Force, calculated execution and unhinged madness. The odds were stacked against the foundation in this match, which made the dramatic victory that much more sweeter. Demolition had recently introduced Crush as a third member, leading fans and the Hart Foundation to wonder if the babyfaces would get a fair shake. They didn't, but it didn't matter. The LOD, new to the World Wrestling Federation at the time, they stormed to ringside, late in the third fall to even the odds. The finish, with Jim Neidhart delivering a shoulder block to Crush and Bret Hart getting the roll-up pin, is pure magic. Neidhart laying over Bret after their win, Unleashing his signature laugh is a moment I'll never forget. R.I.P. Anvil. A match
0: for the Hart Foundation versus Team USA at In Your House Canadian Stampede 1997. I mean, Canadian Stampede in 1997 was the ultimate event if you were a Canadian wrestling fan at the time. It was the Hart Foundation, which was Bret Hart, Owen, Jim, the Anvil Nineheart, David Boy Smith and Brian Pillman versus two Team USA, which was Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, Goldust, and the Legion of Doom. With the WWE fan base being divided against each other based on the geography, it was the Olympics meet wrestling, and it was awesome. Jim Mount Ninehart was not Canadian, but that didn't matter. His association with the Hart family was all that mattered. Following the match that night, Natty Ninehart, TJ Wilson, Harry Smith, and Teddy Hart all celebrated in the ring with the elder generation. More than any Hall of Fame induction could do, this view celebrated all that the Hearts have brought to professional wrestling. Jim the Anvil Neinhardt will indeed be missed. Yeah, so uh, we should say on the kickoff at the moment, hosted by Renee Young. Uh, we've had um, Peter Roseberg, JBL at ringside, Booker T, David Tongue, and Jody king Lawyer on the uh, kickoff panel and Brock Lesnar being interviewed. But the best way to really kick off SummerSlam, listen to us live. And uh, we're going to go for a run for the news. And unfortunately, we've got a yet another death.
1: Yes, yeah, Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, has passed away age 76. She performed at WrestleMania 3 and then when they returned to Detroit for WrestleMania 23 as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, interesting, there's an urban legend claiming that Mean Gene Oakland's rust rendition of the star Strangle Banner at WrestleMania 1 was done as a substitution. That is a well-known but a singer backed out, as Oakland would say, at the 11th hour. They were pretty close to Mean Gene performing an encore out of necessity
1: two years later. That's because Franklin found herself arriving late to the venue, owing the torrent of fan-filled automobiles blocking her path to the Silverdome. Or Superdome? Yeah, that, whatever Hogan thinks. The Queen of Soul made it in the nick of time and performed America the Beautiful without a soundtrack. sound check.
0: Well, naturally, she headed out of the park, making it perhaps the best WrestleMania rendition of all time. And uh, rest in peace, the Franklin... the Queen of Soul. We're going to play that clip right now.
4: And welcome to WrestleMania 3! And now, here to sing America the Beautiful. The Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin!
0: So what a performance there by Aretha Franklin at WrestleMania 3, you know. Uh, it, it really, really great. And uh, we, we come back live and we've just seen all the GMs. We've seen uh, Drake, Maverick, Kurt Angle and Paige looking at tonight. And we've got our next kickoff match. Now don't worry, we're going to bring you the Cruiserweight title match in full and our uh, next... Uh, WWE Network review, which will be for September, will be in a Cruiserweight title. But of course, we've got predictions. And Dan, it is your turn now. So, who have you gone for in this match?
1: It is I have gone for Cedric Alexander. Cedric
0: Alexander. So, second match, you've got Alexander for a new Cruiserweight champion, Drew Gulak. I mean, the pay per view comes out. Uh, obviously, after this one. And the predictions, we've gone two different now, and the rest of the night, who knows what can happen. Why have you gone Alexander for in this one?
1: I just think the age of Cedric isn't over yet. Um, You know, Drew Gulak's done well, but I don't think the hill's going to prosper tonight. Well, I think the Gulak will be
0: locked in, and the age of Alexander will be over. I think it's Gulak's flirted with the Cruiserweight title and now it's his chance. I do like Alexander, but I am backing Gulak. Uh, we move on to shout-outs. We do love getting your shout-outs. Apart from Panther McCoy, who says, Mojo is a future WWE champion. I'll, t- I'll take this one, down. Don't worry about <laughs> that. Um, right. Uh, only, no. no. The only way Mojo is a future WWE champion if you play him on your WWE 2K game. That is the only way Mojo will be WWE champion. He's uh, uh, To be a WWE champion, you need a few things. You need the it factor. Mojo hasn't got it. You know. You need to be a great... Uh, have a great move set. Mojo hasn't got it. You know, people have a go at John Cena for five moves. Mojo's got three. And most of them he's taken from Steve McMichael. Uh, you've got, you know, a kind of personality. Stay hyped. What a cunt. I'm going to say it right now. You know, it, he really is. Uh, and promo's he's not good on them either. Mojo's not future WWE champion. He's uh, future endeavoured, shall we say. Thank you very much. We'll move on. I don't want to talk about him anymore.
1: Well... Pixley Ingram says when Johnny and Champa can go three consecutive pay-per-views while making each entertaining, yet Roman and Brock can't make a WrestleMania main event half decent, you realise the main roster, mainly Raw, has a serious problem. Do you, do you think there is
0: actually a serious problem in Raw with the main event scene?
1: I think there is, yes. I think the undercard is perfectly fine. And, you know, when you've got Roman and Brock... Look at their three, four matches they've had, and you look at Gagano and Ciampa. I mean, you know, it's two completely different worlds. But
0: it's two guys that want to work for each other, whereas Lesnar doesn't want to work for anybody. You know, we talked about what Brock Lesnar wants to do. Uh, It's the thing, he he just wants to destroy Roman Reigns rather than making him look good. And this is what Ciampa and Gagano, even though his hatred on screen, you know they're working well together because backstage, you know, they're probably in each other's pockets as well. It's probably a pleasure. working with Lesnar. Now, I don't think you should compare NXT to WWE because you're not going to get the same time uh, to tell the story that you do in WWE, even though you've got more programming, you've got more to fit in, obviously. Uh, so I think there's a certain maybe way to tell it, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult, you know? I don't think Raw's got a massive problem. I think the talent is really uh, stacked at the moment. Uh, and I think once Brock Lesnar goes away... And I think we'll then go back to what people want to see. And I think it will be better because of it. I just worry about WrestleMania time. Uh, it, will, it will change. And Seth Rollins said this. He about the Rocks for 10, And he goes, if uh, the Rock comes back in main event of WrestleMania, if we don't main event WrestleMania, then we'll never could be prepared to the Rock and, and people like John C. we can't, you know, we, they can't always come back and then we'll never be those stars. So it makes an interesting point where WrestleMania time comes around. You bring back all the legends. It's nice to see a SummerSlam. We'll talk about that in a bit. You uh, haven't, you've got the kind of that you want to see in the news, hopefully stars of tomorrow. Um, Winnie Hammond says, love the show. wonder if you're going to be looking at ECW at some point. Well, Dan, are we?
1: Yes. Up. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I don't know, you're the programme director, James. You tell me. We're
1: going to have a look into ECW?
0: We're we're hoping to, you know. I would say uh, for the big events, we will will look at them. We've looked at stuff before. I think what would be a good idea maybe in the future is having maybe 10 ECW moments or looking at it there in, in that way. There's a lot to digest and you kind of want to give the attention to detail for the subject as opposed to, you know, not being there. But we have done some episodes in the past. With ECW, you know, with Heat Waves and November to Remember, uh, they can listen to, and we will definitely do ECW stuff in the future. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yes, uh, Hairdale Mendoza, and bearing in mind, I'm sat here wearing my CM Punk t-shirt. Yeah. By the way, uh, they say that CM Punk is a horrible man. His ego is falsely inflated, and he has always put money over friendship. So many people have recounted how they've thrown under a bus by Punk. Hornswoggle and Corey Graves come to mind.
0: Well, Corey Graves was very vocal about wasn't he? But Hornswoggle, I've got a story about um, controversial characters for Hornswoggle coming up. That'll be our next episode, coincidentally, WNR175. After some Slam and NXT takeover events, we'll have controversial characters. There's a story about Hornswoggle there. Um, Is Punk a horrible man, or is he, like I said earlier, just a man trying to forget the world he came from? Does that make him horrible?
1: I don't think it does. No, I think his his character was great. His in-ring ability was above par. Yeah, you know, there's there are some accounts of wrestlers saying he was a bit of a dick backstage, but, you know, who's who's not a dick backstage nowadays?
0: Well, the, the thing is, though, is that you meet him in the airports <laughs> and you tell you the fuck off or something like that want all grass, Of course to meet someone who is, you know never meet your
1: heroes and he, and he's not that nice to me well we've had to do that a few times when we've gone to WWE events like, oh you're the guys from the WNL but we're like look just fuck off yeah, exactly. we just want to go and watch some wrestling it, it, it gets the best but we've met guys like Ricochet and Drew McIntyre who
0: have been really really friendly and we'd be, we would have been upset or I would have been if they are complete dicks and that's what I felt with Colt Cabana when, I, when we met him I felt he was a bit offish like I was just another paying customer and at least with Punk, he's not interested in that. The thing is as well, though, is I've got a difference between someone like Colt Cabana selling the merch at table and someone coming up to Punk in like a toilet on a restaurant. Because you've got to remember that, that you don't, even though you love the character and you paid into the character, you don't, uh, you don't own CM Punk. <laughs> you know, Punk is an individual. He's a human being. So, you know, I can understand where people are coming from that. But uh, it's each to their own. We've done a CM Punk special, haven't we? We um, have indeed, yeah. and we do love seeing Punk here, but we we also see you know good people do uh, bad things and bad people do good things sometimes. You know, it's simple as that.
1: Indeed, yes. Uh,
0: another shout out, yeah. Mazur Curry says, "Why does every superstar return bald?" <laughs> oh, gee, I can't do
1: that. Bro. And other wrestlers, yeah, I mean, they've got a
0: point there, I suppose. You know,
1: but. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, Dean Ambrose, not only is, is he got a short haircut, but he's looking a lot more jacked as well. So yeah. he's obviously spent a lot of time in the gym. He's had nine months downtime. I'm sure he's been bored out of his mind. But uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I just think, you know, they want to make an impression when they come back. We've seen the same with Triple H. I think Undertaker returned bald as well. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't think they have many hair versus hair matches nowadays. So, yeah. you know, for a wrestler, if they want a haircut and undergo a drastic change to their look or character, then they've got to do it when they actually return. Well, I, I think that is true,
0: but that's quite a funny comment there. Um, oh, next one.
1: Oh, Brittany Franco, I know I'm late to the party, but fuck yes, my <laughs> deanie sex got his back. There's finally a reason to watch Raw other than Alexa Bliss. Thank you for once, Vince. And, well, Brittany, I'm on the same path as you. You know, I don't think he's a sex god. He's he's no Randy Orton. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad that Deanie's back. And, uh, you know, there's another wa- reason to watch Raw other than the beautiful Miss Bliss.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you, you are. If you want to send your details, I'm sure... We can uh, create, say...
1: We can gush over, or gash <laughs> a bit of a... <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we can talk up Deanie and Alexa Bliss. Yes, I'm sure yeah. yeah. All right,
0: good. we'll move on from that. Uh, we get positive comments, we get some negative comments. June Giovanni said, uh, this is one of the comment on our YouTube channels, uh, YouTube videos. Nine ninety seven was the birth of the Attitude Era. That was 21 years ago, and it started late 1997. Now, because we've been saying the Attitude Era started in 1998, and, and of course people are going to disagree. Now... Okay, and Dan said it earlier, he said I'm a bit of a wrestling know at all so I'm going to explain what I
1: know. Well, no, basically, <laughs> James is going to tell you why you're wrong, but at least he's going to give you a few reasons behind why you are wrong. Well,
0: that's fair, isn't it? Fair crack at the whip. So anyway, what you're thinking of is a meeting before Bad Blood pay for you in October of 1997, when it was documented in Mick Foley's book, Have a Nice Day. Vince McMahon had a, a talk with the roster and said, we're going to go... We're going to try a little bit more edgy storylines, we're going to try a little bit different things, and they did from that point on, you know, DX, what they were doing, their kind of antics and everything like this, and you could consider it the kind of attitude change as I start of the attitude era, but in theory, you still had kind of Bret Hart, and Bret Hart left in November, Shawn Michaels was still around, he wasn't before. Michael's then, of course, departed after the injury in January. And then we go to WrestleMania. Now, the reason why many people consider WrestleMania as a birth of the Attitude Era is a couple of reasons. Not only Stone Cold Steve Austin won the WF title for the first time in the main event of WrestleMania, but also, more importantly, the promotional videos and the kind of logo change afterwards. After Austin won the WF title... The, the title belt did change hands into the kind of attitude era title that we all know. And also, not only that, but the Scratch logo was created and the old WF logo was taken away. And, of course, the whole attitude era was kind of kicked in there. So that is why March, April time, after WrestleMania, it is the kind of dawn of the attitude era. You kind of go from there to WrestleMania 17 in 2001. Is that fair enough, Dan?
1: That is fair enough, yes. Right, fair enough.
0: So let's start talking, after two hours and nearly 15 minutes, about the SummerSlam card. And uh, what better way than starting with The Miz and Daniel Bryan. And let's have a listen to the kind of eight-year culmination of this feud.
5: I feel like we've been doing this forever.
6: Eight. Years. That's how long I've been dealing with Daniel Bryan and his holier-than-thou ego. My career in WWE began in 2010,
5: which is when I officially joined NXT. And I guess it's important to explain that NXT was a little different back then.
2: This is WWE
5: NXT, where eight rookies are vying to be the next WWE superstar. Could it be Daniel Bryan? Back then, NXT was divided into rookies and pros. And even though I had already been competing in Japan and all over the independent circuit for over 10 years, I was completely new to WWE and how everything worked here. And I wanted to learn.
6: So I entered NXT as a rookie and I was assigned a pro. I was assigned to be Daniel Bryan's mentor. Of course I was a mentor, because by that point, I'd been in WWE for five years and was already a United States champion and a tag team champion, so I knew how to win. But I wasn't just a WWE superstar, I had come from the most popular reality show and was its biggest star, so I knew how to get ratings. The Miz was so arrogant. You are nothing in the WWE.
5: I have my work cut out for me being your pro. You will respect me as your mentor. Plus, he had the stigma of being a reality star.
2: The real world.
5: Back to New York. I'm The Miz. And the honest truth, and it's still true today, is that Miz thought he knew better than everyone else. So he would take whatever shortcut he could to get ahead, no matter who he offended. I mean, he just wants respect
6: so badly. But he doesn't want to put in the hard work to earn it. You always respect your veterans never talk back you always listen you're supposed to be a sponge you'll get eaten alive without help i have a little pep talk for you where's your personality where's your charisma any one of these people could have done better than you in that obstacle course you haven't proved anything to me you haven't proved anything to the ww universe i'm your boss i'm the one that makes you a star i was his ticket to the top and all he needed to do was shut up and listen All Miz wanted to do was turn me into him.
5: So, of course, the whole rookie pro dynamic was just destined to fail.
6: Daniel, you have been eliminated from NXT. 0-10. He didn't win a single match. That's what happens when a rookie doesn't listen to a pro. The great Daniel Bryan never won a match. But for all his talk about how great of a wrestler he is, he just didn't have the talent. I mean...
5: Yep. I lost every match in NXT with Miz as my mentor. But you know what happened when I finally got out from underneath Miz's learning tree? I had a match with Miz on Raw, and I fought on my terms with my tools, and I fought my fight. And I won. My first victory in WWE, thanks to The Miz. And I realized something that night. I realized I didn't need The Miz. But maybe The Miz needed me.
0: So there we go. That was just a
1: clip from NXT. And the problems that Brian and The Miz had. The long-awaited grudge match between Daniel Bryan and The Miz was officially announced for SummerSlam on Tuesday prior to SmackDown Live.
0: Well, The Miz said his agents worked on a deal with SmackDown Live General Manager Paige to pave the way for one of the most anticipated bouts in WWE.
1: And the original story says, Breaking after originally refusing, The Miz accepts Daniel Bryan's challenge for a one-on-one battle at SummerSlam.
0: Well, Brian and the Miz have been at odds for years, but the heat between them really intensified in recent weeks.
1: After eliminating Brian from a gauntlet match to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship several weeks ago due to help from the Bludgeon Brothers, the Miz did all he could to poke and prod at the leader of the Yes Movement.
0: Well, things got even worse in that regard after Brian and Kane lost a SmackDown Tag Team Championship match to Harper and Rowan at Extreme Rules on July 15th.
1: And in celebration of the debut of his new reality show, Miz and Misses, Yay Lister held a special celebration on SmackDown that was interrupted by Brian. Yeah, Miz
0: seemed to throw his baby at Brian, but it was actually a doll which allowed Miz to lay him out with a skull crushing finale.
1: On the heels of that embarrassment from Brian's perspective, he was finally given the opportunity to shut the Miz up once and for all at SummerSlam.
0: And like we just heard, the issues date back all the way for the first season of NXT when the Miz was Brian's pro. They went their separate ways over time, but the rivalry was reignited on
1: a defunct talk
0: show, Talking
1: Smack. Well, Brian, who was a SmackDown Live general manager at the time, criticised The Miz for his style of wrestling and called him a coward.
0: In response, the Miz mocked Brian for being injured and claiming he was a coward since he was unable to compete in WWE.
1: Well, since that explosive encounter, Brian has been cleared for in ring competition and it paved the way for one of the biggest feuds in recent memory.
0: Well, while no title will be involved at SummerSlam, Brian and Miz have in the potential of the events of the year. And I think for me, if I'm looking forward to any match, I mean, this is the true. You talk about WrestleMania calibre matches. Brian and Miz got so much story to it. You talk about Chumper and Gagano. You know, that, that, I think you could equal it if you played it right. And is it too soon? Yeah, I, I just don't know. But I think it should be a cracking battle. The, the crowd's going to be behind it. They're going to be hating the Miz and loving O'Brien, which uh, they, they should do as well. What are your thoughts on the match?
1: I think it does certainly have the potential to be one of the greatest matches on the card, if not this year. Yeah. And, I mean, what's
0: interesting as well, looking through the card, is that the Samsung pay-per-view now, it, uh, this could be something different from the past 30 years. Like we said, a pair of big absences for the card will break a 30 year streak in SummerSlam history. Could it be the first time in the events history in the past 31 years that John Cena, The Undertaker, Bret Hart, or Triple H are not competing on the cards? I mean, is that amazing that those four guys over the past 31 years have been kind of dominant in WWE, Dan? Are you shocked by that fact?
1: I am a bit, but it is good to see that they're not relying on, you know, the likes of Cena, Undertaker, Bret Hart or Triple H on the card, you know, it's, I I think it's a good and it's, it's going in the right direction, not having them about, Yeah, no no disrespect to any of them, because they're all great competitors, but, you know, it is that they're going in a new direction.
0: Exactly, and this is what we want to see. And speaking of someone who's not on the card yet, is Elias, GPD. And apparently we're going to get the greatest song of all time to debut at SummerSlam. I mean, WWE only says it's Elias' single so- greatest song to date, but we're pretty sure that means it's the greatest song ever. We already know be performing some of his, no doubt, seem to be award-winning music in Manhattan the night before SummerSlam, but that's not all we're getting from the... True Truth, Elias, on the weekend, the biggest part of the summer. W announced last night, well, August 13th, that they'll have a pretty big spot on the paper on Sunday in Brooklyn at the Barclay Centre. You just go there and you'll be able to find it. Uh, at SummerSlam, W Universe is invited to truly walk with Elias when the strumming superstar follows up Saturday's live concert and the Grand Mercy Fit with New York City performing what promises to
1: be single break Sunday during the biggest event of the summer. Well, hopefully he gets to finish. Whatever angelic composition. He to do on an unworthy world before that. Dang, Bobby Lashley comes out and ruins everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Lashley will get involved. So we talked about the Miz and Brian. We talked about GPD. We talked about who's not there. And let's talk about the card. Like I so said, we've already had Cedric Alexander versus Gulak. Of course, CN and uh, Vega versus Rusev and Lana. And of course, we've got the B team versus the rival kickoff match. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on the B-team versus the rival? Does this excite you?
1: I I am, yeah. You know, I like... I'm, I'm actually getting quite behind the B-team. We've, uh, you know, we see them come up come up with their name live when we was at Raw. Yeah, yeah, that's true, was yeah. Was Raw or Smackdown? No, it was Raw, yeah. Oh, it was Raw, yeah, sorry. I get my, my brands mixed up sometimes. But, you know, it was good and everyone was singing the A-team theme along with, uh, you know, to... To, to their name and I think yeah I think it's great
0: yeah no, I think it'll be good it'll be interesting I hope for a change in the tag team division a bit more serious hopefully it can be revived but we'll see what happens there Uh, uh well one of the other matches we just picked Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin uh, this feud has been going on for ages it seems like and hopefully we'll get a, an ending tonight I there's not much exciting about that
1: hopefully it'll be early on in the card and be over And done with. Dan, do you want to pick one out? Uh, We've got Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens. And I think the Money in the Bank briefcase is on the line for this one. And no matter if Kevin Owens can win in any way. So if Braun Strowman gets disqualified, then Kevin Owens is Mr. Money in the Bank. And there's been a lot of talk about Kevin
0: Owens actually getting the briefcase at SummerSlam. And walking out the second Universal Champion. uh, The first time. Two-time Universal Champion. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, Strowman is a very dangerous man, but when it comes to qualifications and count-outs, that is going to play into Owens' hands. Uh, we may be seeing a stunt here at SummerSlam, and maybe Strowman will be cl- crowned the Universal Champion by the end of the night, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to see.
3: Uh, we've got Carmella versus Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, kind
1: of a under the radar because of the Raw Women's title, but this should be quite a good match, though, like, should it? It should be, yeah, but you've had Becky Lynch, she qualified for the match against Carmella, and then Charlotte Flair came in, had one match, and she was added to the mix. I think that's, you know, I would like to have seen Carmella versus Becky Lynch, but, you know, having Charlotte Flair there as well, I think it kind of helps cover up that Carmella isn't as talented as, you know, the other two women in the match. Well, yeah, it is
3: a case of that. It's probably Charlotte came back as like the number one woman. In the division, if there's a problem with that. Uh, Carmella completely killed kind of Oscar's uh, <laughs> momentum at this moment in time. Will she come out some something successful? I don't know, to go get Charlotte if she involved in the match, just
1: to walk away as women's champion, you know? Yes, there is that. And I would actually like to see Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, you know. Go. Yeah, they're really good friends. And, you know, I think that, that could... That could throw up a few surprises. Yeah, you as don't well usually two see two—you
0: don't see two uh, faces and one heel usually in triple threat matches, because you don't like the kind of handicap aspect of it. But uh, yeah, we're picking another
1: match then. Um, we've got Shinsuke fucking Nakamura versus Jeff Brother Nero Hardy for the United States Championship. So, what are your thoughts on that then? Again, this match could be—could uh, be a very good one. You know, there might be a surprise appearance by. Great world, former world champion. Um, well, you think Ric Flair's going to be in the building? (laughs) (laughs) I said great, not grey. Oh, right, yeah, it could be a a surprising result to the end of that. (laughs) You're right, James. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, what are your thoughts on on the United States Championship match then?
0: Yeah, I mean, Randy will get involved. Whether that helps Jeff Hardy out or if it helps Shinsuke fucking Nakamura out, we don't know. I would rather have a triple threat match, but seeing as we've got the triple threat match in the women's, then, okay, we, we kind of discount that. But I, I'm still, you know, um, look, I think the, the match should be good if they get given time, or will it just be an angle to involve Orton a bit and continue the story between Jeff and Orton? Or will Nakamura actually have a fair, uh, you know... A as a champion, the US title is kind of hot potato at the moment. It goes from one guy to another. Can a guy actually have a sustained run with the US Championship? It's there to be seen, isn't it? You know.
1: Indeed, yes. Another match? Uh,
0: we've got the Bludgeon Brothers versus the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. New Day been around for a long, long time now. I would say four years as a team. Uh, and, and the thing is, kind of against the Bludgeon Brothers, the Bludgeon Brothers have been dominant, but we need to see a little bit different from them and i think the new day will put in a good match against them i think the same with the usos being involved i wouldn't mind against in a multi-tag uh, multi-team match maybe sanity involved in this as well just to spice up but they did have the tag team tournament didn't they to get here so the new day did beat of course uh, sanity and the bar to get it so you know they deserve the opportunity you look forward to what tag team match you look forward to more raw smackdowns
1: I'm looking forward to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship more, I think. The Bludgeon Brothers and the New Day, you know, we've we we actually are big fans of the New Day in their in ring ability. They've had some great series of matches against the Usos. Um and you know, this, this does providing they get given enough time, but you know, looking at the amount of matches on this card, you know, we're gonna need another Jeff Hardy Nakamura fourteen second match, yeah, I think. This, this is
0: yeah. This is what I'm worried about, looking at the card. We've got some great ones here. Uh, we've got Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. Who do you think is going to play the main factor in that? McIntyre Ambrose. Ambrose? he's a
1: lunatic. Would Ambrose get involved and maybe cost Rollins the Intercontinental title by accident? I don't think so, no. I think it's a bit too soon for anything to be going on between them just yet. You know, keep an eye out for it. A bit later down the line, but I think now is a bit too soon for yeah, that.
0: But isn't the problem now is that you know Drew and Dolph are going to eventually have a split. You now know Ambrose and Rollins are going to eventually have a split. You're basically doing the same story with with those, Unit the hills and the faces and that kind of way, isn't it? You know, is there, how are they are going to be able to play that off? Is one going to be short term and the other one's going to be long term? Are we going to see Ziggler and McIntyre teaming up next year together? I don't think so. It's the same with Ambrose and Rollins, you know, how long is that going to take? I think it'll be interesting tonight to see the involvement. It's just a shame Teddy Long's not around to make this into a tag team match when it does all break down, you know? So that's a bit of a shame.
1: Well, holla, um, holla, holla, holla.
0: Uh, can it be a great match? So we talk about time constraints or something like this. We looked at the Ironman match. Be good. The fans weren't behind it. Will the fans get behind it tonight in Brooklyn? Do you think it can deliver?
1: Hopefully tonight, yes. Um, you know, I, I was very behind the match. I thought it was a great a great matchup between the, uh, them two guys and, you know, the way that the involvement was used as well. But I think it's going to be an even playing field and Ambrose is going to stop any Drew McIntyre shenanigans. Yeah, well,
0: before we get on to the rest of the cars, just to kind of uh, the three big main events, uh, we'll talk about the rest of the kickoff. We just saw some of Joe giving a very long interview. I uh, quite enjoyed that there. It was about 10 minutes long, however long it was, getting a chance to talk. Dan, you were right, Cedric Alexander did beat Drew Gulak for the cruiserweight title. So you get a point, it's one point all. But the third match on kickoff's gonna start. It's a Royal Tag Team titles. It's a revival versus the B team. It's my turn for predictions. And uh, I have gone for in this one, if I can find them. Well I find I know I've got them here somewhere. They're on that bit of paper, aren't they? That I've gone for the revival, the new revival. tag team champions. All right,
1: you, I think new tag team champions. Who've you gone for? This? Oh, Jesus Christ! Well, James, for the third match on the bounce, <laughs> we have gone for something completely different. And is this going to be the theme for tonight? I've gone for the B team. Yeah, the B, B team, team, B team. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think the revival needs a win to help out the tag team division. I love the B team, but they're not a serious team. And I think revival, you're like this, can be the A team. On Raw, if given a chance. Right, so back to the card then, and uh, we've got Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, this—if you've been serious about women—this needs to be the main event. Uh, You—you'll stop the crowd hating Reigns and Lesnar, and you can crown either crown Rousey in this moment or screw her out of it, like. Uh, Randy Orton did Daniel Bryan back in 2013, you know, what are your thoughts? Are you looking forward to the women's title match?
1: Are you worried about Bliss? I am, um, I'm a bit worried about Bliss, but, you know, uh, call me controversial again, but I think it's too soon for Ronda Rousey. But what,
0: the, I mean, I understand what you're saying there. And there was a news story that came out about Ronda Rousey. She was saying she's looking to extend her deal in WWE, saying that she's come a this way and she's a lot further along than they thought she was going to be. So they've moved
3: plans forward, and now they're looking to sign an extension. That would mean maybe she was only be there for a year, maybe even two years short term, and now she's looking to extend it a little bit longer. And they obviously had a plan for this baby Survivor Series, but with Rousey, you have got strike while the iron's tight And how many times have you seen someone being and popular, and then they wait too long.
0: Look at Rusev. He's on kickoff now. And he was... How big was he? Just a couple of months. They managed to kind of kill that heat. They're not going to do it with Rousey. Rousey's a cash cow, and I think they're going to do it here. Uh, with Alexa Bliss, I'm surprised because they've already announced that Alexa Bliss will face Trish Stratus at the uh, Women's View, which is going to be a huge match for her. So even if she gets destroyed by Rousey, she's still got a big match in a couple of months anyway. So it's not the end of Bliss, you know? Oh, it certainly won't be
1: the end of Bliss, no. But again... Alexa Bliss could still, I know you hate this word, but retain her championship. If she does, you know, some shenanigans, she could, uh, you know, get counted out or, you know, or whatever to kind of keep her title in her grasp and, yeah, this is you know, protect Rousey well, so she doesn't lose. Rousey's got a lot of
0: enemies, hasn't she? You know, so that's what you get for being on top and popular. You suffer a lot of enemies with this. Uh, And this might be the problem leading to this. I think it should be great. Rousey getting a really, really strong reception at the moment. So I am looking forward to this match. Um, All right. So now we move on to the AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe match for the W Championship.
1: Well, this has the potential to be a great match. You know, we've... I don't know if you've seen much of their history in TNA, but they've had some classic encounters there.
0: Not just TNA. You know, in Ring of Honor as well, uh, these men tore it up, and I've been dying to see AJ versus Samoa Joe on. Uh, and we are going to see it here tonight. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the match, AJ Lowe has been in W for just over two and a half years. But in that time, he has become the key part of SmackDown Live each and every week
1: during this time, he's been the WWE Champion for over 420 days. That means he's been WWE Champion for about 45% of the time, <laughs> which has been with the company, which is pretty incredible. It
0: is mental. For nearly half the time as WWE Champion. While his second round as WWE Champion could have come to an end at SummerSlam, the Phenomenal One has already broken the WWE record on the blue brand, according to reports.
1: Well, according to Oscar number one on Reddit, at 281 days Styles Reign as WWE champion has surpassed JBL's meaning that he's the longest reigning world champion to be exclusive to SmackDown. The
0: phenomenal one is certainly very deserving of this accolade as deserving of his accolade as he produced some of the best wrestling in the ring and fans that have seen for him in years.
1: JBL even took to Twitter to congratulate Styles for beating his record that stood for 13 years.
0: He said, "My record has been broken. I could not be more proud of AJ Styles, a world-class individual and athlete. Looking forward to watching this incredible performance Sunday at SummerSlam.
1: The phenomenal one's time as WWE champion, though, could come to an end tonight. However, when he takes on longtime rival Samoa Joe at SummerSlam,
0: well, it's likely that this is the end of his reign. We'd see him pushed out of the WWE championship picture as he." Smackdown since the sit took place and you talk about the history of AJ and Joe they've not shown it a lot they're not focused on it a lot but there is some real chemistry between the two I'm hoping if they get a lot of time then they could tell a brilliant story you know if they get what Nakamura and Styles had in that time I think it could be an even better match than that what are your thoughts on the W title match?
1: Again, it it's going to be ten times better than the Universal Championship match.
0: It is. We're to the Universal Title match in a minute. What are you, what match are you most looking forward to tonight?
1: Brian versus Miz. I think that one. It it's a real personal feud, and you know, as much as I diss the Miz, I think both guys can tell a really good story.
0: Yeah, I I think that's what we're going to see tonight. So much history uh, to be told. You know, like I said, there's so many matches here. That should be great. You know, looking up and down the card. We look at The Miz and Bryan. We look at Joe versus uh, AJ Styles. You know, look at Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy. One of the matches that we aren't looking forward to. Well, you're not looking forward to. I I, I just don't want to see the same old, same old. If Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal
3: title, what are you not looking forward to in this match? I'm not looking forward
1: to suplex, suplex, suplex. Superman punch suplex f5 spear superman punch suplex 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 f5 superman punch spear you're not looking forward to that no match is gonna be well it, it might
0: not we we just don't know you know it might be something completely different lesnar might say to himself gosh darn it it's my last appearance here for a while or not i'm gonna put on a hell of a show for the fans in attendance, <laughs> for everybody paying hard-earned money, <laughs> oh, may, maybe not. Yeah, but, you, you can know. even
1: say that with a straight face. No, I not Like couldn't. Lesnar, you know, a, a majority of wrestlers, they perform for the fans. Lesnar doesn't. No, uh, and the problem is uh, uh, the Brooklyn crowd's going to be really harsh on them. It's going to be a
3: long event, and if they're made of it, it's going to be uh, such a kind of uh, buzzkill the entire thing unless of course Strowman himself uh, cashes in already Kerry knows which would end the night you know It'd be interested anything else about it, Sam Santa, what are your hopes expectations dreams I, I hope, hope you know
1: it's stands up to what we saw on NXT last night because that was absolutely amazing you know I'd like to see over half of the matches be great that's a tough ask in oh, I know, I'm climate. asking a lot, but, you know, if they could do that, just please, please do that. Yeah, I know. Well, I suppose. You're
0: right about that. Oh, my God. B team just beat the revival. Yes! Dan goes 2 1 up here on kickoff. Well, better be luck than judgment, I suppose. There we go. There's no luck in it. Dan is 2 1 as you start the main show. Uh, we should say that the next episode we do will be the SummerSlam the entire event where James makes his comeback and beats Dan in predictions. And like we said, we've got the Miz versus Brian, we've got Bliss versus Rousey and uh, everything else on the SummerSlam card. Dan, as you cheer silently, is there anything else you want to add about uh, SummerSlam here tonight?
1: B-team, B-team, go, go, go. <laughs> anything about the card? Oh, um... Nah, I just hope that I beat you in predictions. I hope that we get some great matches and uh it doesn't let us down.
0: Yeah, well we shall see we shall see what happens, shan't we, you know, and uh we'll see who, who laughs laughs will laugh loudest. But until then that is it. Don't forget W 175 Controversial Characters part three will be coming up and then my young classic after that as well. But if you want to contact us on Twitter you can at W NetReview or at Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at John School Rowlands. We're across the Google platforms, W Net Review and Google Plus, send us an email at WNRPodcast at gmail.com. We're
1: on Facebook. Yes, Facebook, come and find our page and give us a like with the WW Network Review Podcast. you can come and find me and add me as a friend. Subscribe to our YouTube
0: channel, W Review Podcast. We've got clips on there. And uh, podcasts got the same time on YouTube. There do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also... St- I said subscribe, but don't. Follow our music maker, Diddley, on SoundCloud. And you can subscribe to us on Spreaker Radio, where our live shows are here. We'll be back live, I think, next time. We'll be in November for the Survivor Series weekend, but we'll keep you posted as we go along. But it's been a pleasure to be with you live for the past two nights Uh, It's been great. NXT TakeOver exceeded all expectations yesterday and SummerSlam tonight. Well, we're excited now. Let's see what we're like in four and a half hours. Uh, We're on iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. That is it. I have been James Rowlands and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye.
1: Bye.